This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on it so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners, can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash drink. That's rosettastone.com slash drink. Hey. You know, I thought we were on Zoom and I was waiting for recording in progress. And I was yeah. like, I was waiting for the glitch. So me having like the very... ultra millennial pause was actually on purpose. Um, There's going to be one day like a, a, a thing, like a fun fact where it's like, did you know, like millennials who are now 900 years old, uh, their, their, their behaviors were all tainted by COVID-19 and all the bullshit they went through. And now they have all these weird tics, like pausing when something starts recording to wait for the little lady to talk. We're going to well, be so the, unhinged. The millennial pauses, I, I blame Snapchat for that. Or maybe old school Instagram, because that's like when... What was the Snapchat pause? Because both of them, when you used to press record, it took a second before it would actually start recording. And so... Oh my God, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. So that's where I yeah. think the millennial pause came from. But... uh the thing that scares me more is the millennial zoom. Like apparently we like nobody zooms anymore. Like zooms in when you're, when you're like telling a video and then like, it gets like really like you get to the climax and then you zoom in on your face. Wait, you don't what? do that anymore. Yeah. That's a no. That's a full uh, fucking no. You might I as well be a boomer. Meant, I thought you meant zoom. Um, the, the zooming the camera. Then no, zoom like, when you're recording, like when you're telling a story on your then camera. I thought you meant, Come on and Zumba, 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 Zumba. Okay. Well, nice like I said, I you might as well be that. a boomer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't hate on Zoom. I, I won't. I'm just saying the younger Zoom. kids do. Come That's on all. and Zumba, 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 Zoom. What is um? Zoom. What is your oh, day two, looking one, like today, three, Christine? Four, send it to Zoom. Ooh, I guess we're still hawking. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're still I'm singing. Damn, hawking. I'm singing. What are you asking me? What do you want? What, to what's your day been what like want? today? Okay. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> Hang on. I'm gonna do the millennial pause and make sure that there's like an even space for me to get ready to talk, and then I'll I'll do it. Ready? Christine, what did what's your day look like today? What? How has your day been? <laughs> Let me zoom in real quick. So. <laughs> so... <laughs> Wait, that's so embarrassing. I used to zoom all the time on my video. We well, all did. That's that's probably what I, yeah um yeah okay so i was gonna say that my day is fine thank you for asking i was awoken at noon eleven fifty four 
by Blaze with a giant mm. cup of coffee. And I was like, Aww. wow, I've entered a parallel world where everything's what a life. great. Yeah, it was because he's been sick for like, ten, not 10 days, but like maybe a week or over a week. I don't know. And like so sick that he was not getting out of bed. And I was kind of juggling everything solo. And I think he felt bad about that, even though he didn't have to feel bad about that because he was sick. But uh, today was the first day he felt like 100%. And so I was like, man, back to my dream life of sleeping till noon, <laughs> getting coffee delivered. Um, so, yeah, life's good. Thank you for asking. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I Again, parallel worlds because I've been waking up without an alarm at 7 a.m. What? For days now. For what? Um, I honestly don't know. It's some combination of jet lag plus staying up plus... It, it it wasn't like I tried for this. It just kind of happened. And now I'm riding the wave until I, you know, fall into my usual. Congratulations. Thank you. It won't be forever. I know that. It never has been. But it's not a while phase, it's, mom. While it's here, I've been waking up watching the sunrise. I've been <laughs> eating mean, like the healthy breakfast. Behind the smog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Darker smog is becoming lighter smog. Mm. Um, I have been drinking a lot of water and Ew. drinking smoothies a oatmeal what? today i what? got work done before we recorded what it's like the twilight zone no and i feel weird now i feel uncomfortable <laughs> i do too to be fair i'm like i wish <laughs> i miss i miss the days and by days i mean like last week when i would wake up at 10 58 and we would start yeah. recording at 11 that well that's I'll my be, norm i'll be honest like i was so excited because i texted you oh sorry guys i need five minutes i lost track of time and i was like look at me giving m five minutes to sleep and I then know. no you were working and i was rolling around in my bed like <laughs> like humpty dumpty well <laughs> usually <laughs> usually yes. what i see were uh, you there okay. sorry yeah oh <laughs> that explains it i Usually when you text and say, oh, can I have five more minutes? I'm like, oh, she's a goddamn queen. I'm like, I listen, I just I love to sprinkle around my generosity. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Every now and then I like to pretend that we actually were going to record at 10, but then you had to make us wait until 11. And so then I'm like, oh, thank God. That's literally how my brain works, too. I'm glad that we're both so equally unwell, Um, (laughs) except for now. Apparently, I'm threatened by all of your like developments, your healthy developments. You've had a lifetime of this. Let me have three days before it spirals. I'm very, I'm very happy for you. Um, And I'm proud of you. That's that's awesome. Um, And you know what I just realized? Speaking of like Mm. healthy things and non-healthy things, um, I realized I had a reason I drink this week specifically. And I, it's because it's finally happening, Em. I'm... What? What? I have a bunion. <laughs> oh, well, join the club. I think Do I you? have a bunion. I don't know. I got something going on, but I don't know what it okay. is. Okay. I thought you were going to just call me the Crypt Keeper again and go on a whole thing about how old I am. No, I don't know the difference between all the feet things, but I do know my great grandma had bunions. And one of the last conversations she had with my aunt was, when I go, you'll probably be next to get my bunions. And then you what, what they're like passed down in the will. <laughs> well, then lo and behold, like a week later, my aunt started getting bunions. So I'm just like waiting for the day that it's my turn. But I've got like I've got a bump on my on the bottom of my foot that's never gone away. And it where is, on like, your foot? The middle the palm 
No, no. A bunion is like where your big toe, like this bone where your big toe is and it start your big toe starts to lean inward. And oh, I don't have that. The bone kind of juts out. Oh, no. Mine are straight it's, as an arrow. They're the only yeah, straight well, thing about me. It's a- <laughs> You know what I've got a problem with with my toes, though? I have fucking caveman toes. I've got like that big old thumb. Could use my toe as a hammer toe. You know? Ew. <laughs> I know. But well, even she's sturdy. I can stand empty, real good on her. MD of hand, foot, and mouth again. Because um, you did, you did have that. So that I, was no. This this bump has been here for years. I think it's like, is it a corn? Is that what it's called? Maybe or a wart. I don't know. But okay, no, whatever. Okay, let's talk about a bunion. Okay, so I I knew my mom always had. I didn't know what they what they were called, but I knew my mom always had that pain in her foot, and she has all sorts of foot and ankle issues. She was run, run over by a motorcycle one time. It's a long story, but so what she the has fuck? these like bones sticking, and so but they're. They're, they often happen because people wear like high heels or, you know, a lot. And that's how it often happens. And sometimes you have to get them like surgi- surgically corrected. Deirdre had and, that. She had to get them removed. Really? Mm-hmm. So I certainly have never, I wore high heels like two times in my life and I fell both times. So like that is not my issue. <laughs> um, I don't know why the universe has bestowed this upon me, but it hurts like a bitch and does it really hurt is it just because you really can feel hurts. your toe shifting places? no it's like the bone like shifts outward so it's like just really mm. i don't know but um this is what i've become on black friday here we go i went on i went on to dr shoals.com and bought Girl. a bunion corrector for 30 percent off bunion corrector that sounds like you're like a brace for your toe it is oh okay well so, so at you least it's... put it on your toe and then it's overnight you sleep with it on and it like pulls your toe out does it hurt yes oh if it's gonna hurt either way you might as well just like no no it it hurts you know when something hurts like in a good way where you're like okay it's like correcting itself oh yeah yeah. is that a thing that everybody else understands or is it okay yeah so it's sort of like it's just like ah okay it's getting it's the right direction now (laughs) But does it, I mean, is it like only temporary or can it actually like cure it without No, I surgery? think it can prevent it from getting any worse because like, I guess a bunion is fine. It's not, it's like you can prevent it from getting worse if you catch it on time. Mm. But if you do not, here, I'll send you a picture. <laughs> of your own bunion? No, no, no. Oh, I was um, going to say, I'll, sh- I'll you send you a wish. picture of my thing if you send me a picture of your thing. <laughs> I'm just showing you like what they look like. It's Wait, like let me send bone- you a picture of my thing. Okay. So you can't even see mine. That's the thing. Is like you can't see it. I just feel it. See, you can see mine, but you can't feel it for me. Oh. I can't, I can't feel it at all. Hang on. We're just taking feet pics. <laughs> I literally I'm in the middle. I'm like, oh my God, is this one sexy or no? <laughs> is this wart on my foot sexy? I guess to some people, maybe. I hope the listeners are using their imagination of to, you know, paint a picture of what's happening. I feel like my it's not even like a good picture. <laughs> well, then I don't want it. <laughs> Put the ring light on it. I'm trying. Come on. Okay. I think I got it. Did you it get the picture? It doesn't even really look that good. Well, whatever. I'll send it to you anyway. Did you get the picture? I don't know. I'm sending you mine first, and then I'll see if I got it. Uh... Your picture. That's not my feet. Are, those are your. My feet. Oh, they're not your feet. Those are not your feet. Those are old lady. I'm sorry. Those are not my feet. 
<laughs> jump scare girl oh I'm my so god sorry it looks like the the nail polish that my stepmom had in her cabinet from like 1977 that like pink shiny so that's filled. what that's what's happening over time that's what your feet are gonna look like yeah that's kind of how it that's mm. like a bad bunion so see the picture of the bone though up there yeah oh yeah it's like curving it like it like curves outward and it hurts like a bitch when you wear shoes, like certain shoes. Um, and where is this lump you're talking about? I'm exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like mine looks like fucking nothing compared to yours. Okay. It's the little tiny white dot. The oh. little white dot. See him? Yeah. That just looks like a little callus or a wart. Yeah, that's a yeah, wart. Yeah, it feels like it's, it's, I don't know if it's a wart. It feels like a callus inside a layer of my skin. So it can't like come out or be like buffed away. Like it feels uh. like a lump of like hard skin. Weird. Yeah. Anyway, it's nothing compared anyway. to that. So it just it just it's like very painful. Um Ugh, I bet. It looks I mean, it's like I mean your bones are bending. So it's probably yeah, it's like it's not great. And so I probably have to see a podiatrist. I can barely get out of the house to go to Walgreens. I don't know how I'm supposed to go see a podiatrist, but like that's what my mom told me to do. So anyway, uh -huh. that's why I drink because I'm old and it's all happening. And I bought Dr. Scholl's on Black Friday. So you know what? This, that's me. That's the real me, people. <laughs> and you can't take that from me. I like her. Um, <laughs> my aunt has the same little I don't remember what it's called, but I, I told my mom about it one time and she said not my Seattle aunt, but another aunt has the same thing that i have and she's straight up like i mean this is very her personality so like i'm not very like surprised but like she literally carves it out like it's like a fucking exacto knife and just chisels at her own goddamn foot and i'm like that i'd rather just have the bump but thank you yeah that sounds that's crazy. Like what i would do but it's certainly not recommended and also that sounds like a wart because if it keeps regrowing like that that there's there um there's people who like will like try to like get their own ingrown toenails out with like like knives and stuff and like cut up yeah their own toes. i do that yeah do you oh yeah i'm like does a sicko i i'm of does course it, hurt? it, it has to hurt it has and to it's hurt. so dangerous and it's not safe and i do it anyway but like with um with like one time i had um water in my ear <gasps> did you put a knife in your ear what <laughs> what's going on <laughs> what are you talking about it was the week I met Blaze, and I Googled how to get water out of your ear. Uh-huh. And it said, you know, go to the doctor and lie on your side. And I <laughs> you said, said okay, step two. <laughs> I said, none of these are going to work, obviously. So I found another website, and it said to put some lemon juice in there. So I was like, okay, great. So I, okay. pour <laughs> so I poured lemon bad? juice That's in my ear. Is that bad? That's you're not supposed to do that? Well, I don't think so, because all of a sudden I realized, oh, I can't hear at all anymore. Like, I literally <gasps> filled my whole ear with lemon juice, and then it just was full. Like, it didn't, it didn't come out. So then I'm sitting there, and I'm texting my new crush, Blaze, and being like, who's working as an EMT and, like, driving ambulances all day. And I'm like, I just want lemon juice in my ear. Like, you know, that would be the most, like, psychotic thing of, like, you just wanted to hang out with them, so you made yourself an EMT victim or uh, a patient or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I said, I called his, and they, they he drove an ambulance, like, four senior citizen homes. So I would have had to, like, call his company and be like, come get me. Um <laughs> <laughs> and so then i googled how to get lemon juice out of your ear and it said put hydrogen peroxide in your ear so i said okay so i poured hydrogen peroxide in my ear it's, like it's not funny class. and i know 
Like, Blaze does <laughs> like not like when I talk gross. about this. It, like, really upsets him because he's like, this is so bad. And, like, you really could have screwed up your hearing forever. Um, and not but only I, your I hearing, so. but, like, that's your hearing is pretty damn close to your brain. Like, you could have just put a bunch of lemon juice in your brain. <laughs> Are and you actually put... allowed to put hydrogen peroxide in your ear? Because no, it, like, volcanoes, right? you're not right? supposed to put shit in. You're not even supposed to put a Q-tip in your ear. Like, you're literally not. And I'm sitting here pouring. So I'm, like, pouring... Um, <laughs> And, you know, my, my mom's, they had those little paper cups for brushing your teeth. I was living at my mom's. Uh-huh. So I, like, oh filled those with lemon juice and hydrogen peroxide. And then I poured them in my ear. And, and oh then my, God, um, I can feel it. my ear, I couldn't hear. It was, like, the most, it wasn't, like, you know, when you get a lot of water and it's, like, pretty, st- or or an earplug, it was, like, worse. Like, I genuinely, you could, like set off a firework next to this ear i could hear nothing and i'm like cool i've totally destroyed my hearing and i'm like really making like i'm one of those people who when i do something and i try to correct it i I then just make it worse and worse like i just keep digging the hole deeper like i just i don't know it's hard for me to get out of that self-defeating cycle so then my mom had to take me to the urgent care and so then we went to the urgent care and we didn't realize it was indigenous people's day back then still considered columbus day um and so we got there and we like walk in the urgent care and there's like nobody there and we're like that's weird so then we walk around we're like ringing the bell i'm like calling their number nobody's there and we're like that's weird so then like we get the nerve to like open the door to the back and we start wandering through the urgent care and we're like hello is anybody here i checked the fridge um someone had brought baby carrots to lunch and i was like boring and then Okay. That probably would have been safer, honestly. And then we wander around. Nobody's there. Um, eventually, we find a security guard outside, and he's like, oh, shit. The morning guy wasn't supposed to unlock the door. They're off work today. And they're, he's like, don't go anywhere in there. And we're like, we would never go into the fridge and look at what they're bringing for lunch. <laughs> what? Um, I can't hear you. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Whatever you say. Um, anyway, I forget what happened, but um, I eventually, obviously, repaired it. Um, and Did I it just go away on own, you think? Or was like... No, I or... had to go get, like, um, <laughs> I think I had to go to an ear, nose, throat and, like, get it f- fixed. It was very bad. Don't You guys do not follow... I know this is so duh and everyone knows this, but don't, don't like, follow medical advice on... Medical, quote-unquote, advice from the internet. Don't cut out your ingrown toenails or your warts. Don't pour lemon juice in your ear. I know that this is a controversial statement, but don't do it. <laughs> i feel like that's that my as soon as as soon as the doctors say like oh leona has an ear infection blaze is going to grab her like it's up like she's a million dollars and she's gonna go <laughs> i got it yeah, don't come off. near her I, I, okay also what we do in my family for ear infections is something that really bothers blaze because i thought it was normal now i need you to know okay. tell me if this is normal it's not what <laughs> you can, yeah i was gonna say you can probably already answer that question um, so we would always, my mother would always microwave an onion and then, okay, so I'm already getting a vibe that you're like, what are you talking about? Evo, can you weigh in? Is this something your family does or is this really just I, like an unhinged I think thing I, that my family I does? I think I've understood the, the, the rationale of like it could absorb something, like it absorbs okay, the moisture. Okay, absolutely not. Okay, cool, cool. So that's, that's a big no. Um, uh, yeah, that, okay, so microwave an onion and put it in a hot towel and then we would like wrap Mm -hmm. it around your ear 
Not a whole onion. I mean, sorry, a half I mean, an onion. Right, God forbid. I feel like I understand. <laughs> okay, like- shut up. I mean, like, because then the onions actually, like, you know, has open its and flat. A- yeah, anti. You know, it's antimicrobial I, have, I think I understand that, like, the the fumes and the steam and the layers of the onion, maybe the wives' tale is that it absorbs any moisture left in your ear or something. I, but, no, that's not, a, like, a, a normal thing I grew up hearing. Okay, okay, because Blaze's family loves to <laughs> say, oh, let's just strap an onion to her head. And I'm like, you guys are so <laughs> rude, but also it's very funny. And so I get, like, mad and I laugh at the same time. And then... Um, oh, M, this is not a joke. I just Googled onion on ear overnight to see like what the internet says, right? The mm-hmm. first thing that comes up as the recommended says one method calls, this is called ear infection home remedies from everydayhealth.com. One method calls for heating an onion at 450 degrees Fahrenheit for 15 minutes. Then once it is cool, cut the onion in half and squeeze the juice into a bowl. Put a few drops of the onion juice into your ear. Like, Shut up. That's what can't be is real. going on? Why does everyone tell you to don't do this? That's like don't Madame Zeroni from Holes saying like, <laughs> oh, onions cure everything. Like, that's <laughs> Find crazy. me the onions. Yeah. I have yeah. heard other like home remedies of like you put like Vaseline on your feet and then you put socks on your feet, which like sensory yeah, overload. Jesus Christ. I do that. I also know about like putting a cup on your head after you've been outside for too long and it like is supposedly like sucks the, the heat out of you so you don't get sick or something. Like there's like all sorts of. Yeah. It's I like how to, like, the cup catch is the condensation so or something. <laughs> I like how I'm like, that's insane. Um. Look, all I know is I didn't experience any of these. I had a mother who was the worst nurse on earth. And it was, and she, no, she openly says, like, anytime my kid was sick, I immediately did not want to be a parent anymore. I didn't want to deal with it. What did she do? And so she just, like, didn't want to, like, she was like, I don't want to. She would throw me a four pack of Jello chocolate pudding. And she <laughs> would, and when I say throw, I mean, she'd open throw. the door. <laughs> throw it and then slam the door shut so she didn't that's catch like whatever fucking, i had that's like fucking what's it called Shit's creek when she's like she like doesn't want to go near her and she's like mommy i'm sick and she's like yes darling and like <laughs> truly like i can't like perfect perfectly taken right out of my childhood and it makes uh, sense why you and have then Lucille bluth and- as as her contact photo <laughs> <laughs> um every now and then my mom would scream up are you done being sick and then if I said no, she'd be like, okay, well, stay up there then. And then I guess I got to go and then eventually more pudding get packs. <laughs> well, so now Pavlovianly, the only thing that makes me feel better is when I eat chocolate pudding. <laughs> okay. That's actually very sweet. I mean, listen, the, okay. I don't know if your mom okay. was the worst nurse ever, but my mom put onions on my head that she got out of the microwave. So you know what? Like she thought she was being a great nurse. I don't know. A searing I mean, hot onion like... taped to your head does sound pretty bad. Right? It's like, why didn't she buy me a pudding pack? You know? Like, I don't know. I, I got to tell saying. you, the pudding made it worse because it just created more mucus. Um, oh, And then yuck. by yeah, creating dairy. more mucus, I was clearing my throat more, which made me have a sore throat for longer. So it actually is well, very not good for you. Uh, I will also say the one thing that really used to bother me that my mom would do when we were sick. And by the way, I have like chronic sinusitis or whatever. Like I get sinus infections all the time. And I, as a kid, I get them, got them constantly. And the one thing my mom would make us do also is like the 
metal bowl of boiling hot water and then you put a towel over your head and you have to just like breathe the steam in i hated that um i think that was that that one actually does i think work because it's like just steam my equivalent to that was just going and standing in a hot shower the same thing yeah my mom was like we're not wasting hot water you can put your head on in this bowl and i was like okay cool fantastic uh Um, yeah, I, d- I was a, we were a Vaseline, a Vaseline family. Um, mm. Or not Vaseline family, what was it? Vaporub, a Vaporub family. Um, I love a Vicks Vaporub. I still put that on Leona's feet sometimes. I don't know what it, if it does anything. I don't think it does, but it makes her laugh. Well, so, like when she's sick, I mean. <laughs> How funny. What a sad game. Um, she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm fixing you. <laughs> I, do, I do think... Um, I really can only use Vaporub when I have like a really stuffy nose and everything because... Apparently, fun fact for some of you people out there with heart conditions, uh, Sudafed and Mucinex <gasps> like are bad for you. Like they make me, Uh-oh. they make they give you heart palpitations. Um, and Does I realized it have that Sudafed in it, vapor up? No. Oh, I thought you were saying you can only. Well, use... I can't take Sudafed or um, Mucinex. Oh, I see. I see. for sinus stuff, which is why I rely on vapor up because uh, understood, understood. I took. I took. I think I took both of them at one time, which was like <laughs> big old problem. Um, but all of a sudden I thought I was having like an SVT episode and I was like, oh. what's going on? And apparently, um, I don't know if this like has to do with SVT. If you're like a heart expert, please weigh in. But uh, ever since COVID, I have a sensitivity to epinephrine and it gives me really bad palpitations. I feel like a panic oh, attack. Shit. Um, and I guess Sudafed has that in it or something. So fun fact. Anyway, I guess that's why I drink. I can't take fucking Sudafed. That is fun. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, And now I'm actually going to Instacart some pudding today because now I'm in the... I was going to say, I I got me a I'm going to Instacart one onion and you can have um, your pudding and we'll be be healthy for the rest of the year. It's like our vitamin C. It's like actually just chocolate goop and um, also an onion in my ear. Just like, just, you know, let it placebo effect. By now, you've probably heard about Burrow, a new kind of furniture company known for timeless designs, durable materials, and details that make life in your space easier. Last year, they brought their expertise outside with the launch of their outdoor line, which I love, and now they're adding more must-have pieces to the collection. For example, Dunes offers seating, dining, and lounger options, while Scout is a new folding chair upholstered in a chic woven fabric. And I think I'm going to get two of those for the balcony. Blaze and I love to sit out there in the evenings after Leona goes to bed. And I love the idea of having a good-looking but also extremely useful and comfy place to sit outside. Made of durable materials made for all seasons, weather-resistant teak, stainless alloy, and quick-dry stain-resistant cushions with easy assembly and disassembly this is the perfect thing for your outdoor space they also just launched a new standing desk co-pilot with adjustable height a durable scratch resistant body with built-in storage to make working at home easier than ever i'm in the market for a new desk um, so this is definitely going to be my next bookmark and of course there's burrow's legacy seating collections like the nomad and range now available in new colors and m and i that's like the only piece of furniture i think we actually share is our burrow sofa in the podcast department love that thing and that's why we drink listeners can get 15 percent off their first order at burrow.com slash drink that's burrow b-u-r-r-o-w dot com slash drink for 15 percent off burrow.com slash drink 
It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, and Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. Prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I gotta tell you, Christine, the... You really couldn't have segued into my topic better. Um, oh, I know. Because You're <laughs> I was told to say all of this. Okay, so <laughs> I say that because this week, I don't know how people feel. Please weigh in. And by the way, weigh in kindly because I feel like I'm doing something <laughs> nice. But if you don't like it, I'm I'm open to criticism, but kind criticism. But I'm, I'm really digging these one-on-ones because I never knew how to like bring them in as topics and no i love so, it i mean i love it i, I don't like know what the other people say but i like it but if our audience doesn't like it you know i'm happy to change things up i just thought like oh there's so many categories i want to cover but i it's kind of for me it feels like my band-aid over not knowing how to cover smaller topics but if i branch out and make them into like big bigger concepts it's easier yeah. to talk about it but so anyway this is another 101 and because we've been talking about our illnesses and our past illnesses and what we do when we're sick, uh, we are going to talk about the Grim Reaper. <gasps> so, Gasp. Which, by the way, we're not really going to talk about the Grim Reaper right away, but we're going to talk about who he is as a concept, which um, a Grim Reaper is a psychopomp. Did you know that? <gasps> no. What's a psychopomp? I've heard that word and I love it and I have no idea what it is. Uh, so uh, psychopomp is the umbrella term for creatures like the Grim Reaper. So we're going to do a one-on-one -on, -one on that. And the Grim Reaper makes a little feature at the end. So um, so here we go. <laughs> I love when you do a little gay scream. Do it again. <laughs> ah! Wait, no. Oh, that okay. sounded, it sounded like more like a, a crow, bit. but. I think that was a psychopomp, right? I don't know <laughs> what a psychopomp is. <laughs> It was an animal escort to the psychopomp, I think. It was, um, it was an animal meeting the Grim Reaper for the first time. Yikes. <laughs> okay. So, a psychopomp. It is spelled psycho and then P-O-M-P. And it is Greek. It. Or it, com it comes from the Greek word psychopompus, which uh, psych or psyche is for soul, mind, spirit. Pompous is for guide, escort, messenger. So it ends up being a literal <gasps> spirit guide or a soul escort. I love that. 
Um, so I guess when we're saying things like, oh, I'm talking to my spirit guides, technically you're talking to your psycho bombs. But I, yeah, I you am. Know, technically. So, yeah. So psycho pumps, they are your soul's escort and they operate in liminal spaces, which fun fact, liminal comes from the Latin word meaning threshold. So now you've got a soul escort who operates within the threshold of life and death. Oh um, my God. All my favorite buzzwords. <laughs> I know. I feel like I just liminal like typed spaces. in every word I could think of. <laughs> psycho. Um, psycho. <laughs> So psychopumps appear across many cultures and religions throughout history, but the psychological theory for why they exist, like the Grim Reaper or, um, you know, a lot of people will say like even like a black dog as an escort and mm. on your way to death. Um, the psychological theory is that psychopumps are imaginary concepts that we've created to help us accept death. And it's a lot okay. like a near death experience where you all of a sudden see a bunch of stuff that isn't there. It could be your brain, like the the chemistry of your brain just going fucking haywire and like you're hallucinating. Mm-hmm. Or these are concepts that we talk about when we think about death and to help us reconcile the impossible and the unavoidable. We've come mm-hmm. up with guides that are more experienced than us who can help us along the way so we don't feel alone. Um, right, right, right. So they're essentially a, a created comfort. And the guide uh, or a psychopomp, how do I say it? There's psychopomps and then there's a subcategory of psychopomps called a sympathetic psychopomp. And sympathetic ones, it's, I mean, as stated, they're sympathetic to your situation. They don't take pleasure (laughs) in- The other ones are all bitchy or what? Oh, oh, I see. Like there's like some where like the thought these days is a lot of people have different opinions of like, even the Grim Reaper were like, oh, right. he enjoys bringing you death and he enjoys yeah, he's taking like you to hell. looking for victims. Right, right, right. Okay. Yes. I got you. Versus a sympathetic psychopomp who takes no pleasure in pain or fear. Mm. Um, sometimes they've even expressed hating their fucking job, being like, look, it's not my fault. Like, <laughs> I'm just. I'm an unpaid intern. I just tried to climb the ladder. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I took something on Indeed and like it just, I ended up here. I don't know. <laughs> I got signed out to a millennia year contract. I don't know how to get out of this. Oh, it's got to be go tough. drink for Zip Recruiter if you want to be the next <laughs> Grim Reaper. They'll um, be much nicer, I promise. A sympathetic one only. Sympathetic psychopomps only. But yeah, mm. so they're, I guess because the, at least the way I'm understanding it, is that psychopomps are sometimes seen as bringing you death or being the reason for death, or you can negotiate your way out of dying and they can do something about it. But sympathetic psychopomps are usually the people who have no control of your death. They just appear after it's already guaranteed and they're going to help you out in, in this transition. So, um, so it's not their fault that you're dead. They just like have the weird, bad job of like being the next person you see after it's happened um right okay so sympathetic psychopimps they're often found in art and literature throughout history and they've been used forever in uh in different ways for us to demystify death um this is like by the way a major oversimplification this is 101 not an advanced course um but a lot of people think that they're just creations of our mind to help us figure out you know 
what it will be like when we cross over. Mm -hmm. But to some people, it's not just this imaginary concept. For some people, the psychopomp is actually a very real being. And the thought, I guess, is that like, well, if souls are real, it's not a far stretch after that to assume that someone would, you know, be employed to help the souls as they're going from one place to another. I don't, yeah, I don't think that's a wild thing to believe at all. Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, if you're, if you believe in souls, you believe that there are multiple places that they go, mm-hmm. there's got to be some vehicle like that takes them there. That you go somewhere, then it's not like that far fetched to say, and someone helps you get there, right? Like, it's right, just yeah. part of that process. Or like, or if you don't, what if you're a soul who doesn't know? I mean, I guess you could then have the thought of like, well, maybe souls inherently know where they're supposed to go and we are just unaware of that. But, you could also argue, well, they don't know where to go next. And if they don't have a guide, then maybe that's what makes them wandering souls. And that's how we get hauntings Ooh. and ghosts. And Ooh. because someone never came for them, you know, Creepy. we could get really like trippy deep into it if we'd like. But after hours, <laughs> after hours, actually want to trip, trip it out. I love tripping out with you. OK, yes. <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, a lot of cultures think there must be a guide or an escort to help you figure out your next steps. And one of those, uh, this is my personal favorite, and uh, there's people, is it Scandinavia, where there are death messengers and psychopomps like um, Valkyries, which oh. uh, I don't know if you know anything about Valkyries, but I have a personal love for them because there is a Marvel superhero named Valkyrie. I know about the Marvel thing I've, vaguely, yeah, but I know that they're also like a creature. And I can tell you with a hundred, I can tell you with a hundred percent certainty, Christine, that you're in love with Valkyrie. You're in like huh? in love, like would leave my heart blaze just fluttered. Today. Is that Sudafed or am I in love with a Valkyrie? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Tessa Thompson, and she's incredibly mask, but she's like so hot. And Thor Ragnar, no, not Thor Ragnarok. In the last Thor, she kissed a girl on the hand, and then in the Marvels, which just came out last week, she it is heavily implied that they're dating. She even kisses Brie Larson's cheek. I lost my goddamn mind. And when she becomes uh, the ruler of Asgard, when Thor decides that he's going to retire, he says like, "Oh, you're going to be the queen of Asgard," and she goes. I'm going to be the king of Asgard. Ah! I know. She's <laughs> I she's just, so of course, looked hot. it up and I'm sweating a lot. I'm sweating a lot. I'm sweating the a lot. Thought, <laughs> the thought of her looking me in the eyes is, I mean, there's no faster way to me meeting the Grim Reaper. I would just collapse. So <laughs> She's my psychopomp, okay? Am I allowed to choose my psychopomp or do like, I have to girl, just wait and see? guide me, you know what I'm saying? Like, just <laughs> wherever you need to take to me. <laughs> take me to the king of Ragnarok. I'd be <laughs> oh, like, wait, yes, my king. Yes, my king. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so. This is embarrassing. If you'd like to, like, see a very, very subtle gay undertone, um, in a recent Marvel movie, go watch the Marvels, which, by the way, was amazing. And she kisses Brie Larson on the cheek. And you know how I feel about Brie Larson. So that was an experience for me. Well, okay. well, well. Moving on. Uh, in Scandinavia, uh, Valkyries are their psychopomps where Valkyries are, at least in Marvel, <laughs> they are a fully female army. Um, <gasps> but they fly down. Uh, they fly down on horses and they collect other warriors who have died in battle 
and they collect the uh, warriors who are worthy of joining them in Valhalla. And they bring them up on their uh. horses and prepare them for any future great battles. And they'll always look over their, their people. Um, wow. In, uh, so that's one version of a psychopomp. And then in voodoo, there's a powerful figure named, I think I'm saying this right. I tried, I researched uh, Baron Samdi. And he's this figure who's said to be in a tux and a top hat, and he guards cemeteries and he guides souls to the other side. He's also said to watch over your grave to make sure that nobody uses your body remains for magic, which didn't even think about I, that, but I'm glad he was on top of it. No, I respect that, but also like n immediately, no, I don't want a top hat man in a cemetery. <laughs> it, it sounds, no, no, I'm sorry, sir, but I'm not really interested in your services. Thank you. You know, I first of all, I feel bad that if his job for eternity is to be in a fucking suit, like that's awful. But oh, that's true. I also, you're right. I don't want someone in a tux watching over me in a graveyard because if things, if you got to get dirty at some point, like I need the guy in jeans and a shirt with holes. That's what I want. <laughs> if he's got to throw his like, body over mine on a graveyard, like <laughs> this other guy's going to be like, oh, this is new. This tux. I just, I just pleaded the pants. I don't want to do that. You know? Oh no, I dropped so. my cufflink. Let me look through it. <laughs> exactly. Through the dirt. It's, it's like, like oh, oh man, they just oh, stole my, my arm for a spell. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I appreciate that lot. he's I, taking I, his job seriously, but like, I need yeah. you to get down and dirty and it's not showing that. Okay. The funny you know? part is that is not at all where my head was. Um, my head was more like, oh, this sounds like the hat man, like a shadow person. And I'm terrified of it. Oh, um, <laughs> uh, but, but also I once you, you started meant... talking about his shiny, shiny <laughs> shoes, I was like, well, shit, you're right. He's not, it's not really ideal workwear either. Now that you're saying it, I we could flip our opinions because now I I don't want the hat man standing over me for eternity right? either. But, like how scary! But you know what? If he's gonna be the hat man, maybe I do want him in a tux that he's afraid to get dirty. Maybe that prevents him from getting near <laughs> me a little too close. You know? I can't decide oh anymore Lord. if I like this or hate this. Hey, um, maybe he's that unpaid intern who like showed up, who shows up with like way overdressed, and the other interns are like, "Come on, like you don't need to wear yeah. like." a tie to work every day we work at like a reality tv show or whatever you know what i mean like maybe was, it's like <laughs> we work on survivor take your top we work, off. <laughs> we work on protecting the cemetery the tv show take we off work on tux. naked and afraid take your clothes <laughs> off <laughs> oh man then he'd really stand out um oh, speaking of which he does he reminds me of like that kid that we all knew in high school who like for some reason yes. was always in a three-piece suit like what was the like, what, what was going on there <laughs> like, for what <laughs> <laughs> it's like if you wanted attention you got it but also if you didn't yeah. want attention you have to figure something out about your clothes and it's not good attention um, unfortunately I, I i don't know what to tell you yeah it's like can you imagine having to change out of your sweaty pe clothes and put that back on oh my god Ugh. oh christ yeah so those are just some examples of psychopomps. I also wanted to bring this in because I think you'd like this. Some psychopomps aren't even human or human-like. Um, one common psychopomp is bees because <gasps> they are for some reason said to travel in liminal spaces. And in some cultures, seeing a bee flying by a, a recently buried body means that the soul is leaving with his bee escort to the next world. Oh, and then the bee like falls in your apple juice and you're like, well, shit. <laughs> and then you were like, oh, I stuck, fucking stuck. stung me. Um, Not again. Which I like to think is like, if I 
had one last moment on earth and you were there, I'd be like, be escort. Fucking stinger. Just see what happens. Oh, stinger. <laughs> you, know? you know what? Um, <laughs> fuck you. Also, uh, don't bees die when they sting you? So that would really be unfortunate. Uh, oh, yeah. And then you're like you. really stuck there forever. For your soul. <laughs> so, yeah. Why don't you try it, M? You have your escort sting me and then you're stuck here forever. Yeah, never mind. Uh, in Western Europe, speaking of the bees, in the 18th and 19th centuries, beekeepers were actually said to be guides for the guides. And uh, beekeepers oh, <laughs> would inform the bees of important life events. So when they were doing their beekeeping stuff, they would talk to the bees about what's going on in the world. And if someone in their family died, a person had to go tell each of the beehives uh, so that way they could get ready to go help escort the person they love to the other side. I'm like getting emotional. That's like very touching. Yeah. Yeah. Just another like reason that. to save the bees, everybody. Uh, right? I'm like, well, that's not good news for us. Save the bees, save your soul, you know? Wow. That's the new. Now we'll finally get that change.org petition going. <laughs> i'm just saying if this is true and we get rid of all the bees then we're all gonna have to haunt earth forever because nobody brought us somewhere else yeah i mean i know um, that the other reasons bees are being saved are not nearly as important but we no, should no, finally no. finally pay attention this is the one i care about for sure yeah um mm -hmm. also in parts of asia birds have been depicted as psychopomps i guess because mm. they can travel between spaces so technically they're a liminal creature because same with birds, that they can be on land or in the sky. Um, and bees, they're like same as bees? Yes, yeah, same as bees. That they're both, yeah. they are, I don't know what the that's, right word that's... is. I feel like, I feel like there's got to be a word for like, uh, you know how like bipedal. A flying animal? Yeah, like I feel like a flying animal should have like a name, like inter-travel or inter, like they can be on they're land, called... they can be. Aerial like... animals aerial animals like how uh, like there are like some water creatures like isn't it amphibians where they can be on the land and in the water yeah 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 i feel like those are all considered liminal animals because they can go between two worlds right that's kind of really cool um so are frogs could frogs be a you know <gasps> anyway as long as it's not a goddamn fish i'm fine um <laughs> Sometimes, okay, this part is where it gets sad all of a sudden, but then we're going to shift real quick. So just hold on for Thank like a God. second. No, no. Like, I mean, hold on because it's about to get bad and then it'll be okay. Um, but sometimes okay. humans, because they were so uh, convinced that animals could be helpful escorts, <gasps> oh, no. they would, yeah, often they would create psychopomps out of living creatures, aka That's, they okay. would kill an animal um after one of their loved ones recently died to then i guess somewhat force this animal to be the escort um for the oh soul God. but i think that i think it was supposed to be really kind and sweet of like oh our kid just died so let's kill our pet or something and then the pet and to the kid can be him. together oof, you know it's like oof -a -doof -a. like the very first initial thought was sweet and then they go like oh no 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 too far you know? too far yeah 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 yeah. So anyway, shifting gears. Now let's talk about one of the first famous psychopomps, which is uh, an, an Egyptian deity named Anubis. And okay. again, I'm pretty sure I said that right. I looked you up did. several YouTube I, videos. I know about Anubis a bit. Okay, cool. Um, so 
do you know how to describe him? Do you know what he looks like? Yeah, he has um, the body of a human and then the head of, it's either like a, is it a coyote or a gazelle? <gasps> it's a... Very good, Christine. Well, is he's, it? It's a, it's a jackal, but Yonk? you're very close. Oh, a jackal. Okay. And he's also known as the god of the dead. So he's not just responsible for the dead, but he's also the god of embalming, burial rituals. Um. He would perform rituals himself while bodies were being prepped. He would guard burial sites. And because of all this, he was also an escort for souls to their next place while protecting them on the journey. Because I guess on that journey, your soul could bump into other spirits and things like that. And he's the one that would, I guess, I don't know, tell you, like, don't talk to that guy. He's a little fucking crazy, you know? And then the other guy's like, um, you have the head of a jackal, okay? Right. You're not one to judge. <laughs> You're called the god of the dead. Like, wouldn't want to yeah, be you. Okay. Like, go off, king. <laughs> but um so anyway that he would protect you from other spirits on your way to the next place and after guiding you through this part of af the afterlife anubis would then take you to your judgment ceremony i feel like you probably know way more about this stuff than i do so i'm giving like the most well, oversimplified version i'll but... be honest like i i learned a lot of it from that rituals episode we did where we talked about oh really i'm pretty sure it was on rituals wasn't it where we talked about like the egyptian book of the dead and like how mm -hmm. you were supposed to learn um all of the different uh, trials and tests that you'd be put through in the afterlife yeah. you have to weigh your heart and a feather or something yep. i don't know um but yeah i feel like i learned a lot about that from from that rituals episode so well that was, all right i well, think so. you hosted that one so congratulations you're my you're Look my ultimate go. teacher yeah if you would like a more in-depth version, by the way, please go listen to the rituals episode because <laughs> yeah. this is not this is not the research you're looking for i'll tell you that over there there was a whole team of researchers and here it yeah. was me and Sersha, which love you, yeah. Sersha. Which is but still a we good can't team. compare a to them. Team. Yeah. Uh so okay, so Anubis would take you through the afterlife and then you, uh he would take you to the judging the judgment ceremony, which is where you right. would have to confess all of your wrongdoings to forty two judges. And uh then Anubis would take you to a weighing ceremony, which is you just mentioned. So here uh is at the weighing ceremony is the goddess of truth, balance, and justice. And she would put your heart on a scale uh -huh. and weigh it next to a feather. Wow. And okay. I remembered a lot more than I thought. I thought I was just making shit up, but okay, great. Nope. You nailed it. And also I remember us having some sort of commentary about like uh, weighing your heart against a feather. But if yeah. your soul's heart is balanced with the feather, if it's in balance and light as a feather, light as a feather, then you had a good life. You've got nothing really weighing you down, see? Mm. And you would live in peace forever. If you did not Perfect. confess everything at that judgment ceremony and you had more shit that was on your heart and it was heavier than a feather, then it was fed to Amit, the devourer of the dead. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> It feels he like we go from, from zero to 60 so fucking fast. It's like, lay your heart, you can live happily ever after, or you're the destroyer of worlds. It's like, holy crap. It's like, wow, oh, we're as light as a feather. Psych, the devourer of the dead is going to come leave you in eternal darkness. Um, nice try. So, I, and his name's Amit, A-M-M-U-T. He has the front legs or the front half of a lion. He has the hind legs of a hippo. And he has the head of a crocodile. And I think the three were to represent the three biggest, at the time during ancient Egypt, uh -huh. the three biggest man-eating animals or the three biggest oh. threats to man. Wow. Okay. 
So um, that's why he would eat your heart and then leave your soul forever. Um, Yikes. So there you go. So that's like a lot of pressure. I am glad I don't have to. um, That was not the belief pressed on me growing up. That'd be too much, I think, for my poor anxiety. Um, Yeah, it's a lot. Now there's a more uh, a more modern belief of this called I think I'm saying it right, chematism, 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 um, and it's where Anubis is still seen as a psychopomp, uh, but this time he's seen as much more kind and comforting. I, in my mind, the original version of him didn't seem all that menacing, but I guess this is an even more comforting version of him. Um, okay. At some point in history, uh, there are some people who actually combined Anubis with the Greek psychopomp Hermes. Um, mm. So they ended up becoming their own mishmashed figure with each other, which they're both protectors of souls and messengers, right? Hermes is the, the god of messengers. Yeah. Um, so it made sense why they kind of got morphed into one. But uh, Yeah, I mean, even earlier when you were talking about how they can be sympathetic... I like my thought was don't shoot the messenger you know they're just right. there to like guide you so that does yeah it weirdly fits yeah I, I it makes sense if um just different cultures have a protector of mm-hmm. of beings you know just trying to get from one place to another so yeah. why wouldn't you just kind of accidentally conflate them over time yeah. um Hermes which as many of us millennials probably know as it's the pronounced one with- Hermes you know what don't even fuck with me because I literally, I was like, I know it's Hermes because I watched Hercules, but Hermes, I have only ever heard the Kardashians say that word. So I know that they're different I'm like, things. I like how I said it. And then I was like, is that even how you say it? I don't fucking know. I'm like, I have no clue. That's the, that's the fashion company, right? Yeah, it's the, the luxury company. brand. Yeah. Yeah. The I scarves. would not know anything about that. Yeah. Me neither. Hermes. Hermes. But yes, I I know it as the the little blue guy in Hercules with the with the wings on his ankles. <laughs> love, gotta love him. <laughs> gotta love him. Uh, he gave me a lot of like nerdy dad. Actually, he reminded me a lot of Tim. Maybe we should go back and watch that. Oh my god! <laughs> Can you go Google image him because he reminds me in my my memories. Like my stepdad. Yeah. Oh, let me look it up. Hermes from Hercules. Hercules. I like how I, I think I like how I'm like Google. Don't worry, I'm not googling Irma's scarves. And <laughs> Google's like, we know, we know, we have your search history. Oh my god, um, does he look like Tim? Yes, but I'm like in like too. in in like a very like rude way. Like I don't think Tim looks oh, as like. Please. They have the same <laughs> energy. It does you know look I mean? like a like a caricature of him. Yeah, it looks like a caricature, and like he his face isn't quite so weird. Um. It looks like a cartoon, like a like an overdone cartoon version. Weirdly animated version. Yeah. Anyway, I meant that with love, but it does kind of actually match. I see see it. I see it. I see it. Yes. I don't mean to give him a complex now, but I think he'll be okay because he's a stepdad and I feel like he's used to this kind of bullshit. This guy does kind of look like nerdy stepdad, you know, like in a good way. A hundred percent. Yeah. He looks like he collects trains in the basement and knows nope. the perfect route yep. to all the Halloween houses. So you're <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> so so sue me. Now you're like so getting defensive. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So besides those rules. He looks like he knows how to insulate a basement window. Okay. So Exactly. Exactly. Let's go for it. So um he looks like he would be in, in love with women named Renata. I don't know what to tell oh, you. Oh so, well that 
That's a given. I need Renata to look up that picture and tell me if she's just like head over like, heels for this. How cartoon. are you feeling? Does this? Yeah. Uh, is there a, a tingling? Racing? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Normal thing to ask my mother. Yeah. She's not my mom. I'll ask her. Renata, what's going on? What's shaking? <laughs> that that you're right. That makes it much more normal of a question. Yeah. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com slash drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Daylight saving time is starting up again. It may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com slash drink. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why 4 out of 5 employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash drink. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Anyway, he's conflated a lot with Anubis. For people who don't know uh, about Hermes, he uh, has a lot of roles, which that seems to be kind of the vibe with Greek mythology. It's like yeah. never just like the god of one fucking thing. Some multitaskers. Um, and not like, and maybe there's a connection I'm missing, but I feel like a lot of the Greek gods, their roles were not even, they didn't even make sense next to each other. It was like, oh, I'm the god of electricity and I'm also the god of Legos. It's like, what the fuck? Like, it, it, <laughs> they didn't make sense together in my head. So so anyway, Hermes, he was known most as the uh, god, the messenger god or the protector of messengers when they were on their travels. But he was also in charge of like livestock and merchants. And uh, he was uh, the god of shepherds, which I guess in some way they kind of overlap, but it's a, quite a stretch in my brain to get there. Um, this over time, the particularly him being a protector of messengers on their travels, that morphed right. into him being a soul guide or a soul escort because he was a guide for the dead trying to send messages. That makes sense. The messenger, yeah. Messages. Messages. Am I okay? Messen messengers. Messages. <laughs> messages. Shut up. My brain truly is unwell. Messages. <laughs> I heard I heard it. I knew it was wrong, but I didn't know how. <laughs> you nailed it. You nailed it. You nailed it. So um 
apparently i didn't know this but this feels like a christian thing um i guess sheep and livestock in general became associated with the human soul is that like mm, when well yeah Jesus i mean yeah it's called the, the lamb or something the lamb of god and then like you're you're, you're shepherded that's probably uh, why because like you as a shepherd the whole idea is like jesus is a shepherd and shepherds mm-hmm. you to heaven so that would make sense why a messenger or like a companion right would be a shepherd yeah that makes so sense. my next note is uh he especially became known as a guide for the dead when sheep became associated with the human soul because he was the god of messengers i can't do it and of sheep so <laughs> it's just like, right 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 they, that makes kind of, sense. they ended up overlapping later yeah he was known to escort souls to the river of sticks which i've never actually covered that in depth but i would like to um, yeah i would love that and this is so he would get you to the river of sticks and then he, he would get passed off to another psychopomp and his name was Karen. Literally Karen. <laughs> um <laughs> oh, I don't no. even want to know. It just feels like it, the challenges are getting steeper. But um <laughs> for real. <laughs> so uh the river of sticks was because water is seen as a liminal space a lot of times in the greek underworld the river of sticks splits the living from the dead it's the river between the living and the dead okay um karen's duty was to get your soul across the river of sticks so hermes uh, doesn't have to cross you he just gets you to the river and then karen brings you across i um, see and that's pronounced karen i don't know why i thought it was oh oh yeah it's with is a it, hard K, but it looks like Sharon. How do you spell it? Sharon with a C. Sharon. Oh, okay. Wow. Karen. But it's Karen. Wow. I hope I'm just doing that right. But look, every video I saw was said Karen. And listen, and I, went, I think I've just never said it out loud. The comedy writes itself. Yeah. So. It does. Wow. Um, so, fun fact... This feel, by the way, even if it's not pronounced Karen, this right here gives some fucking Karen energy because okay. she and a she, I, I think it's a he, but but I hear Karen, I'm like, okay, girl. Um, <laughs> I literally Karen. just googled the name and it was like depicted as a shriveled old man. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll do it. So, uh, Karen is uh, the whole the whole thing is Karen's going to get you across the river. But Karen doesn't do it for free. Karen's like, I need to make this even worse for you. So is that why you put those on your eyes? What coins? Oh, coins. Mm-hmm. Oh, look listen, at you. I'm telling you. I know. I said it before. That just this whole. I just love it. So it is customary, or it was customary for a long time, maybe in some other spaces, that uh, when someone dies, their loved ones will bury their body with a coin either in their mm. hand and their mouth on their eyes, a coin somewhere on them. So that way, when the soul leaves, the soul has these coins to put in their little soul pocket and give to Karen as a, You're a toll. Right. They're that fairy is toll. Karen energy. It's like, yeah, but for a price. I don't do this for free. Like, okay. and also, like, I don't think you can go backwards once you've already gotten to like as far as the river of sticks. So, like, good point. If you, it's like going to like the movie theater and forgetting your cash, and it's like, well, go home because you're not going to watch a movie. Sit in the hallway. Yeah. Sit like, in the hallway. Um, so, wow. Well, everyone else we've already determined is an unpaid intern, and then Karen shows up and is like, mm, "Gimme, gimme." <laughs> like jeez <laughs> she wasn't gonna stand for it she said no. not in this economy absolutely not <laughs> not in this economy so if you don't pay karen 
it is one of the thoughts is that you now haunt the river for a hundred years before you can cross yourself. <laughs> oh no. Which like, are you kidding me? Like in that case, can one soul bring extra coins? And then that way, when you get to the river sticks, you can like oh. someone else can bum a ride. Take a penny, leave a penny. Yeah. Just yeah. dump a bunch on the, on the floor. Let people like, if they need them, they got them. That now explains why they need people guarding the cemetery and the bodies. Because all the damn coins. You don't take my damn coin because I got to get on that boat. Well, this is where I got to pay the finally... Karen toll to get across that. <laughs> you got to pay the. Tr- what, what is it? You got to pay the. Pay no, the I'm troll, thinking of the cheese troll tax. Troll <laughs> to get in. The cheese tax! You got to pay the troll toll to get inside that boy's soul. Soul. Soul hole. <laughs> Gross. Um, anyway. Here we now talk about our personal favorite cycle pump, uh, the best known and the the best of the West, as I'm going to say, the best known in Western culture, uh, the Grim Reaper. Yes, yes, yes. Best of the West. He is a skeleton in black robes carrying a scythe. Uh, and we get this image of the Grim Reaper, or honestly, he's so popular now that people just call him death. Mm. Um. He's been around since the 13th century when there was a story of three men who found animated corpses, like just fucking still alive, just dancing around. (laughs) And these corpses were, there were three men, allegedly there were three corpses, and I guess they were either ancestors of the men or other stories say that these were their future bodies and it scared them so much it made them want to embrace life. Um, The art based on this story started coming out people started making paintings of the story blah 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 blah. and the first known piece shows uh animated skeletons and they were the first to represent death as a being Mm. um so that's where we get the skeleton then in the 14th century there were a bunch of italian frescoes that started depicting death as a figure carrying a scythe so that's where we get the scythe okay um and soon after these frescoes were painted um, Italy came face to face with the bubonic plague mm. or black death, which mm-hmm. took out the number is as a crazy wide range. But there are some that say 20 percent. Some say all the way up to 65 percent of Europe was wiped out, um, which I did look up. Not that I thought that we were anywhere near this, but just to give people kind of an understanding oh, cont- yeah. of COVID. I, I don't I never thought COVID was as bad, so I don't want people to think that was where my head went. But um since COVID began, it's estimated uh by the World Health Organization that three million people died in the world. Okay. Um, and what was the number for for the bubonic plague? Yeah. They say somewhere up to two hundred million. Oi. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So wow. the number goes up to 200. It's like between 100 and 200, but it's fucking COVID who, you know? So like Jesus. this is a, it was a big, 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 big deal. More than half of the, the wonder, just Europe alone was wiped I out. I mean, it's probably like, I mean, this is probably going to sound fucking ignorant as shit, but like considering now we had ways of understanding disease and medicine and mm-hmm. vaccines, like no wonder it was so much higher back then you know like we were lucky to be able to oh i've thought that too it's like if it were you know the 14th century it's probably a really similar concept yeah i i can't imagine i mean i don't i don't know anything about this so i am blindly just so ignorantly giving a statement here but i feel like if 
with all of the hard work people put into COVID and 3 million people still died, if we didn't have any of the resources exactly. we had, I would imagine it could have gone up to at least 10 million people. But You'd I also think, don't know. I mean, I'm sure there are know. like actual estimations too. I'm sure people have uh, Someone's <laughs> done, done the, the actual math. research on this. But yeah, it's it's kind of scary to think about. Like, thankfully we were able to, you know. Yeah. It's stop it where it well not stopped completely but you know at least prevent it from getting we, that bad a lot of us did what we could that's yeah <laughs> that's how we yeah. can get it that's um, good point. but anyway that was i mean beyond significant and jarring for people of that time sure. and in the face of such monumental loss and this was right after those italian frescoes came out that were really popularized of death carrying a scythe and being a skeleton so in the face of such monumental loss, people were now forced to reconcile with the likeliness of them dying at any moment. So um, yeah. people started making a lot of art and writing a lot of literature about death. Um, figures of Oof. death became very popular in folklore. And uh, it was just escorts coming to you to bring you to death or bring you somewhere after your death was just incredibly popular. Wow. And... One example of all sorts of cultures just creating new lore after the plague um, is in Norway, there was a story of like people often see an old woman with a broom. And if she comes to your house and she sweeps the porch, then everyone in the house will die. Oh, or no. another one is if she knocks on the door with her broom handle, however many times she knocked is how many people in the house mm. will die. Oh, um Another uh, type of lore that people started spreading was that people would see ghostly kids walking from house to house and cursing those living there with the plague. So if you saw these little oh. kids, you might get the plague. But that probably actually had some truth to it because there were a lot of orphaned kids looking for uh. food and shelter. And if they were carrying the sickness from their parents who just died, they might accidentally be bringing the plague to your home. So there was some truth rooted in a lot of the stories that came out of it um but there was also one cautionary tale that came out of uh i think it was a newspaper article i think it was but there was one man who claimed to see a man with a scythe riding over the water mountains and valleys and where he rode by the plague followed after and did its work so this was the beginning of a rumor or a story that kind of snowballed and it was no longer the grim reaper or whatever psychopomp you are aware of mm -hmm. they're not coming to find you after you've already died this story now suggests they're bringing the death with them right okay so this is the beginning of the grim reaper and all psychopomps being like a the, the reason you die like um, a bad guy a bad guy mm -hmm. art started depicting death as a singular figure collecting souls with his weapon a lot of people said that the weapon of choice was a scythe um, because Scythe suggests that the dead had reached the end of their growth and it was time to harvest them into something <gasps> new. Oh, oh, I just got goose cam. So another example is like with grass, you cut it with a scythe because its time is up and it becomes hay. So And it becomes hay and then there's new growth. And there's Whoa. the cycle the circle of life. Ooh. Uh by the way, just side note real quick, uh, a couple people have I've noticed asked 
what the hell is goose cam? Like, I can't find the, like, oh. they, <laughs> they say it all the time. And I'm, I'm like, it happened in one episode. And I feel like if you missed that episode, then like, you have no idea what the fuck is going on. It's kind of how we say, because we were recording for one of the first times. And we both shouted goose cam at the same time, because we both had goosebumps and we were trying to show the camera. So I, I've just seen a few of those messages and I've not been able to respond, not had the time to respond. So if you are one of those people being like, what the fuck are they saying? Yeah, saying, like, it's just goosebumps, but on camera. On camera. <laughs> it's just stupid. I don't know. But it got so in our heads that we can't stop saying it. So, oh, it's, yeah, it's just another word for it now at this point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, glad you got some goose cam this episode because uh, <laughs> I always wondered why he was known to carry a scythe and I had no idea that it was representative it, it of the harvest of life. to me. No, it mm-hmm. never occurred to me. That's That's really cool. Honestly, nowadays, if I see a scythe in real life, which, like, by the way, almost never happens, but I wouldn't even know what it was actually for. I just assume it's for death. <laughs> You're like, like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, uh-oh. <laughs> so anyway, uh, now the idea of you know, the psychopomp in general is this skeleton holding a scythe, and he's bringing death to you. He's not just coming to escort you to Okay. But in 1847 is the first time we get his name, the Grim Reaper. In what and year? Sorry. 1847. Oh, wow. So he went a long time without a name or without an official a, name. He went a long old time. He, they just thought like, oh, that guy. That fucking <laughs> that guy. guy again. That fucking guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, who invited him? He just keeps showing up. Um, so he appeared in a Christian, a devotional text. Uh, and it was originally in German, but it got translated to English, and the English translation became the Grim Reaper. Oh, uh, Grim because it means uninviting, bleak, and dreadful, and reap because it means to cut and gather a crop for harvest. Yeah, makes total sense. Mm-hmm. And it's a very unlike- catchy name, Grim Reaper. Like, ooh. You know, I my favorite thing, especially in the more recent Marvel stuff, is that. Uh, the characters aren't starting out with their superhero name. It's like you, you're getting to see the origin of how they even <gasps> got their name. Oh, I like that. And like there's actually in Are the Marvels. Are you trying to get in my head? I feel like I feel Only like for the Marvels trying... because I loved it so mm. much. Okay, but, fine. Including actually an example is in the Marvels. Uh, there's one. Oh, my God. I'm so in love with her. Her name in real life is Tiana Paris. And she plays Photon. But. In this, the most recent movie, she doesn't have her superhero name yet. And there's a whole running bit throughout the movie of like, what are we going to call you? What are we going to call you? What are we going to call you? (gasps) So imagine being the Grim Reaper and you're like, eventually I have to have a fucking name. And then they pick Grim Reaper and either you're for it or you're, you fucking hate it so much. It doesn't matter because you're stuck with it, baby. Yeah. It's like, it's like at least kind of badass. If you had to wait centuries for the name, it's not the worst one. I, by the way, when I was Googling tiana paris um mm-hmm. i my computer was like oh we know what you're googling and i was like how do they know that and then i was like oh because i've googled it every time you've said like oh I've, i i'm in love with her and i'm like oh right i've googled her many times because you every time you mention her i google her and i'm like I'm yeah it's truly in love i literally i don't think i know she's a more beautiful unbelievably woman. beautiful like, it's like it's just unfair she had to have like agreed to a curse or something yeah 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 yeah. there's no goddamn reason someone should look like that naturally it's crazy not fair um 
<clears throat> and plus that's the same movie that valkyrie kisses brie larson like, i know it's like and that's literally... what, like you're clearly getting in my head okay i it see was... it happening and i can't do anything to stop it i and I, and you know what as you should that's exactly right so <laughs> um okay so anyway so now that's how we get the name grim reaper from 1847 uh unlike earlier psychopomps there who were just only escorts now that he's got the name on top of everything else i mean the name grim reaper certainly doesn't help his reputation um he's now known as like not just your escort but the killer the one who comes to take your life before he escorts it somewhere right but as the plague kind of faded away and it died down a little bit the depictions of death became nicer because it wasn't during such a heightened time so Mm -hmm. the grim reaper eventually becomes more of a sympathetic psychopomp like the rest of them um and death as he was also known is seen as especially kind to being an escort when it comes to certain types of people so like if you're a young mother or if you're a child um Mm. he's not just like this evil thing that's coming after people he was kind of depicted as like he is he's understanding and empathetic to people who need him to be so if you're a grown-ass adult with no kids i guess fuck you but yeah fuck you you. (laughs) you're getting scythed Um, i did i did want to mention it just because this these are my notes so why not uh in the 20th and 21st centuries the grim reaper then ends up popping up in a lot of popular fiction um my personal favorite is the grim adventures of billy and mandy i don't know if you ever watched that did you ever oh, watch yeah. that that yeah, was a that great was a cartoon show. that was a great show it oh, was like, i don't think i really ever watched it much but i remember when it i feel like i always thought oh i should watch that christine i actually think even in today and I think you would Should still I watch it? love it. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. I'm literally bookmarking it right now. And they're 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 really short. I think they do like it's one of those like SpongeBob things where it's two episodes per episode or oh, something. Oh, love it. But they're like yeah, little shorts. That. But it's the Grim Reaper and he's I don't know how but he's somehow assigned to these two children. It's kind of like fairly odd parents, but Yes, yeah, yeah. Like he doesn't Great ever actually also. escort them anywhere, but they're supposed to like I think help him escort other people. Right, and they go on many wacky adventures. Yes, but one of the kids is a total idiot. One of them is like just a massive bitch. Like just this like so, so awful. She's I'm so mean. So excited. When I was a kid, I was so intimidated by her and I was always afraid I'd meet someone like her in real life. Oh no you're like and the grim reaper take him or leave him but this little girl is scary. i truly <laughs> not and i i can't remember but my childhood memory of it is that even the grim reaper was scared of her so like oh it was like well a, they, okay that explains a lot <laughs> anyway i'm definitely gonna go watch it after this because it was i'm gonna watch it too it's so good i remember it being so good at least um okay so then the last thing i'm gonna say before um it's your turn is that i and in the world of religion um although there's no official angel of death in the bible it has become a popular christian belief that certain archangels escort the dead to heaven Mm. um or personal guardian angels are assigned to us um in islam's quran there's a reference to a psychopomp where it says the angel of death who has been charged with your souls shall gather you and then you shall be brought back to your lord um okay so there's at least a mention there and Mm. then many people in general just kind of have associated psychopomps without actually knowing the word for it with their own loved ones i mean me included um where you just think they're like oh when you die the people you love are gonna help you over to the other side so in that way we've created our own belief that psychopomps are just people who love us oh i Um, like that 
and I don't know if that's more of a Western culture thing or I don't know what it is, but it's the way I grew up at least where it was some vague understanding that people who you loved who died before you are next to you at all times. And it, I mean, it's also yeah. been um, told over and over again with people with near death experiences that they like see their mom or they see their grandparents like waiting for them. And yeah. Yeah. I feel like uh, I've even recently listened to some podcast episodes that featured um, people who do uh, work in hospice or, do uh our death doulas and mm -hmm. i yeah. feel like a, one of the resounding patterns that i notice is that people tend to on their deathbed tend to see like uh past loved ones it seems to be a very common yeah thing being reported yeah so yeah so i i really like that idea with this topic because it makes psychopomps not feel like this like big like overwhelming topic it's like they're right. people who we love could be that it's too. more um, uh, approachable or uh yeah more digestible easily More digestible. relatable yeah, yeah relatable um and then the last thing i wanted to say which feels a little bit like a plot twist to me is that there are some cultures who see who don't see others as the psychopomps but see ourselves as the psychopomps oh including things like uh, dia de los muertos where we invite the loved ones back home a lot of people will lay bright flowers and incense and candles to guide the dead home so that makes oh. us the psychopomps to have them to be able to get them to cross over back to the other side for a day wow that's kind of beautiful yeah so everyone that's can why, be a psychopomp i could I be a psychopomp my, you could be a psychopomp that's why i installed a mirror above my bed i'm like yeah you know i'd like that's to actually all the spirits what a fun tie into the to last week's episode with it's, mirrors because depending on which direction you're going in the mirror everyone's a psychopomp either you're taking me or i'm taking you I'm put if you're not putting sheets all over the mirrors and reflective surfaces, you're a psychopath, my friend. Sorry to say it. <laughs> or a psychopath for sure. Or a um, psychopath. Or both. They are not mutually exclusive. <laughs> and uh that is psychopomps. Oh wow, Em. That was cool. I don't think I ever knew what a psychopomp was. Or at least I've I never didn't heard remember. the word. I've oh really? Never heard the word. Mm -mm. I definitely heard it, but I just was like, wow, that sounds intimidating. So I don't I'm not gonna know. I just don't know. Um, and little did job. you know, maybe you were the psychopomp all along. That is the most beautiful thing you've ever said to me. Maybe it's all about the psychopomps we meet along the way, you know? Wow. <laughs> we were the psycho psych psychopath. Okay. I need to stop. <laughs> we were the psychopaths all along. Okay. What? Um, Em, I have one of the weirdest stories ever today. Uh, <gasps> I'm so yeah. excited. It's a mystery. And it's like much more lighthearted than... Oh, literally every other story I've covered, but it's still a creepy mystery. So I'd like your input. And I, I, I'm curious because it does, you know, touch on more of your it like kind of is a gray area between your and my topics mm. a little bit like it's sort of kind of some people stretch it into the paranormal space. Um, so I wonder if you've heard of it. It is the disappearance of Stephen Kubaki. Not even a little bit. Okay. Wow. Okay. Wow. 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 I do this wonder a lot be... of times, like when it comes to you telling a mystery or like some, like, yeah, I, I always wonder at what point are you going to give up and you're just going to start reporting on things like Clifford, the big red dog and his missing <laughs> bone. And it's like, well, I guess that <laughs> is a crime. Is the day. <laughs> <laughs> a crime is a crime. Okay. <laughs> a crime is a crime is a crime, Clifford. Okay. Oh, Clifford. My pal. All right, this is a disappearance of Stephen Kubaki. Uh, M, I'm so curious to hear your thoughts on this, okay? So I'm just going to jump right in. Okay. 
So Stephen Kabaki was born in 1954 in Chicopee, Massachusetts, which at the time had about roughly 50,000 residents. When Stephen was six years old, his family moved to South Deerfield, Massachusetts, and that's where he grew up. His mom worked as a secretary at the University of Massachusetts. His dad worked at a tire factory. They were pretty uh, lower middle class, like just your classic modest family in Massachusetts, like pretty standard American fare. And around middle school, Stephen found out about um, a high school nearby called the it was not called the exclusive, but it is an exclusive oh. school called the Deerfield Academy Preparatory School, which mm. sounds like something out of a cartoon. Sure does. Deerfield Academy Preparatory School. And just for shits and gigs, he decides to apply. So he does. This sounds like something M would do, by the way. He does. And he gets in and he's like, oh, OK, I guess I go here now. That's and, how I uh, got into Boston University. Thank you so much. I mean, much. literally, it's such an M thing. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm over there, like, obsessively researching every, like, footnote on the website and, like, copy-pasting it into a document, like a lunatic. When my mom found out, because we did the, like, orientation or whatever, and my mom came with me, and uh, they said that only 15 people got get into the program every year, my mom looked me dead in the eyes and went, how the fuck did you pull that? And I went, <laughs> I don't know. I don't in know. front of everyone. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I really didn't see this coming either. I, I really didn't expect us to be in Boston this year, but it's here we are. So, maybe I got in and then the universe was like, or maybe I was like so dead set on going and like so dedicated to my application that the universe was like, all right, we got to push M there too so that they get this podcast started in a few years. And then you were like, mm, I guess I'll write my name down. And they were like, shit, we got to get M into this program. <laughs> I was like, all I got to do is bat these brown eyes of mine and just see where it takes me. It worked. Me. Honestly embarrassing for me that i worked so hard to get in but man uh i uh boy am i glad those big brown eyes did the trick you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. baby browns those baby browns so in any case he gets into this exclusive deerfield academy preparatory school and he suddenly finds himself at this like prestigious school that rarely but occasionally admitted low-income students like him so most students were wealthy most of them were actually even legacy like you know generations oh, wow. who who had gone there um and so he graduated from there but he he has just since described he had described himself as somewhat rebellious and like skipping class and stuff so he wasn't like dedicated to his schooling there he just is this just to... a story about me it what's going on you. i think it is i know every time i'm saying something out loud i'm like oh boy here we go again um <laughs> then it kind of changes because then he went to a christian college called hope college in michigan in 1972 well, um but while he's there his studies are like kind of all over the place he's pretty scattered he changed his major several times now we're getting back to m again uh changed his <laughs> this major. kid has adhd i just know it i oh, just know hard, it hard <laughs> i uh, just know it he's got a ukulele <laughs> in the corner he claims he's gonna sell some electronics next week i don't know he he's not gonna those things those sweaters you had that had all the weird stripes what were those oh, things yeah. It's like um, fucking college kid sweaters. Oh, the well, they're called Bajas. Yeah, I I truly lived in mine. My entire college closet was about twenty different Baja sweatshirts. I think any college else. picture I've seen of you, you're wearing one of those. Yeah, yeah. I was totally. I mean, obviously, I was friends with all the stoners and the the partiers and the <laughs> not go to schoolers and the stay up till three a.m.ers so. and the sororities and the fraternities. And then somehow yeah, in a sorority, like all over the place. Although, well, 
how I got into the sorority is an interesting story, but that's that's for another day. Oh, you did it to me now. Okay, great. Well, (laughs) I'll be awaiting that for a future listener episode. So he's not super focused. He changes his major several times. In 1974, he decides to go to Germany for a year and study at the University of Freiburg, where he studied psychology and even parapsychology. Literally Um, what is going on? What is going on? And that is the study of mental phenomena, which are excluded from or inexplicable by orthodox scientific psychology, such as hypnosis, telepathy, etc. Mostly the things M covers on this show. (laughs) So I guess I have a degree by now. No, I guess you must. What is that? 10,000 hours, Malcolm Gladwell. Like, come on. Yeah. I mean, I at least have my associates. There's no way. At least. At least. So back in Michigan, um, when he'd spent a year abroad in Germany, he came back to Michigan and switched majors again. Uh, Sersha put in here supposedly at least a dozen times. That's how. Sorry, say that again. A dozen times he has switched his major. Uh, ADHD, my friend. I got to be honest just all over the place and his class credits covered hugely varying subjects so at one point he quit college and went on some adventures traveling a lot returning to germany for a bit he was back in michigan again in early 1978 when he decided it was time to go on a solo adventure he decides he wants to go cross-country skiing alone on lake michigan Mm, i don't know now yeah, yeah. This is where I think we all both diverge from this guy. Because no, <laughs> like, have no, fun, dude. No it's. I, I would be like, did you know it's really cold out there? Like, like, did you know alone? That? Alone? I'd be like, it's, my feet hurt just thinking about putting them in boots. Absolutely. I not. have a bunion. You want me to go cross country skiing? <laughs> Which means one day I'll have two. Oh no! Say oh, it ain't so. Time. Say it ain't so put my dr shoals bunion corrector on and let me watch <laughs> grim adventures of whatever the hell okay so anyway back in michigan he decides he's going on this solo adventure to go cross-country skiing which by the way have you ever gone cross-country skiing uh, i think you know the answer to that it's okay. a firm <laughs> fucking no listen sometimes you and i are full of surprises that we've never known about each other so what's and, the- as I told you recently, in an old episode, you claimed to have run five miles a day. So I don't know if you were well, some, that like, was past another time. That was another time. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That's why I thought I'd ask. Maybe I'm and open to... What? Do you know the difference between, like, just skiing yes. and cross-country skiing? Yes. What is ask the difference? Ask me if I've ever gone cross-country skiing. I don't even want to hear the yes. But, Christine, have you ever gone cross-country skiing? I have not. But oh. I was very close to it many times because my dad and stepmom tried everything in their power to get me to go cross-country skiing as a kid and i was like i won't do that i will not participate like i will go skiing down a hill what's cross the difference country, so cross-country skiing is like you're skiing on like flat like you're like pushing yourself along so in walking? the snow but like on ski little skis and so you're like it's hard work like it's really 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 tough because you're not going just downhill like gravity right you're you're going over the meadow and through the woods so it's like it's like ice skating but with skis yeah but not fun and not fast and it's difficult is there like a goal to get to or you're just like essentially like taking a fucking walk taking a walk like in the woods like my family used to go cross-country skiing like out in the woods and would just like shuffle along and i was like why would you ever do this (laughs) why would you make walking harder it's already not fun yeah, if it, it's like where you have to like use your legs to like really move. Like, you know, you're not just like 
never going down will... a slope where gravity will help you. You have to kind of like really use your, it's a lot of work. And I was like, I'm not interested in that. Um, I would like to find, I, I don't even actually care to find anybody who would be able to tell me what the fun in that is. I don't I mean, care. Like there I are people <laughs> who do so it like a, on Olympic level and stuff. It's just, it's a lot of strength. You need a lot of, it's, too much i don't yeah. have any of that desire or will or strength that's a, so that's a no can do for me that's a not happening not happening at least and like downhill you, i don't have to do anything you just, that's exactly it at least downhill they can put me in a little chairlift and carry me back up like i don't put me in a stretcher to. and take me all the way home I, <laughs> <laughs> you're getting home uh flat one way or another or at uh -huh. least on your butt yeah uh i even have some of those old like uh snowshoes like the um those like crazy snowshoes. Tennis rackets? Yeah, 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 yeah. So Is that anyway. wait, so wait wait, hang on. So then what's the difference between snowshoeing and cross country skiing? Oh. Maybe I'm thinking of snowshoeing. Oh my god. There's Can no you imagine. Way. I've just gotten like blasted <laughs> on the internet. Um, I mean they sound like the same thing, but you use different different shoes. It perhaps, because I feel like it's pretty similar concept oh man now i need to figure out uh okay this website says snowshoeing and cross-country skiing both stimulate our minds bodies and souls i'm like that's nope. not helpful to me at all and it's Thank also you. wrong hang on <laughs> it's stimulate also a fucking my soul? lie <laughs> stimulate my soul please explain okay hang on um uh, what is cross-country skiing yeah cross-country skiing is more difficult to learn is more athletic and rigorous Sn snowshoeing snowshoeing also seems not fun yeah i think that's you're just like you're I'll... walking without being able to use your ankles yeah i think that's yes i think that's more like just for for funsies so maybe i'm not thinking of cross-country skiing through the, the woods at my house i think i'm thinking of snowshoeing through the woods at my house no matter what also... it sounds like the same level of entertainment so yeah i feel like uh I don't want to participate in either one. So, you know what? I apologize for the confusion, everyone. Um, we I'm still sure didn't really people... even answer it, but let's just keep it that way. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I'm sure some people are like screaming at me. I apologize. I don't know the difference. <laughs> I just know my stepmom does both of them and I refuse to do either of them. So, you Fair know, enough. here we are. Fair enough. Okay. So, so he wants to go cross country skiing on by himself on Lake yep. Michigan. All right. Okay. Alone. And so it was February at this point, and uh, much of the lake was covered in a thick layer of ice. Now, this is a note that Sersha put in, which I was very grateful for, because I don't think I realized the extent of my lack of knowledge on the topic of the Great Lakes. Um, do you know much at all about the Great Lakes? Because I have a lot of fun facts. Mm, I know there's five, seven uh well that's not one of, that's not one of my fun facts so. oh okay <laughs> i'm like let me teach you all there is to know there are five that's, great lakes i don't even know oh there are five uh yes but okay. then hydrolot whatever i don't know i'm not i'm not gonna answer any more questions okay okay <laughs> q a over so there's there's lake superior there's lake erie oh no i don't even know if... yeah those are true those are both true lake five great lakes there's a huron i think right yeah and then there's uh ontario and michigan okay okay i think okay. it spells homes isn't that what it was oh 
Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. Anyway, that's that's if you want to know the extent of my knowledge, that oh, here I have Ontario, knew that Michigan, fun fact. Erie, and what's the S one? Superior. Superior. Wow. Okay. So anyway, I have some more fun facts for you here. Um, I could use more than half of one. That'd be good. <laughs> more than one wrong fun fact. Okay, got it. So the Great Lakes region actually experiences some of the most extreme weather conditions in the entire world. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Several cities along the lakes rank among the coldest cities in the United States with temperatures plummeting to record lows like negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit, oh. which another fun fact is actually the same in Celsius, negative 40. Oh, that is a fun fact. Right. Um, also, the Great Lakes are fucking huge. Uh, Lake Superior, for example, contains 10% of all surface freshwater on Earth. Holy shit. Right? I don't even, I still don't even know what that means. My brain can't either, process that. Wow. It sounds like a lot. Uh, so the lake sizes and depths create conditions for unique climates and weather phenomena like the lake effect. And the lake effect, uh, if you're not from around this area, which I am a couple hours away, so I definitely know about it, but it generates enormous clouds that carry severe weather inland, creating the snow belt. Uh, yeah the snow belt is the reason i will never ever ever live in cleveland nor will i understand people who live there it is a cool town love that for you it's too cold that and buffalo i'm like those are like such extreme cold and snow and i just want nothing to do with it fair enough um they're in the snow belt so anyway this is basically a multi-state area in the path of the lake effect with the snow belt, um, which gets pummeled by snowstorms blown inland from the lakes. So, for example, in 2001, Montague, New York, near Lake Ontario, in six days got ten and a half feet of snow. Oh, shit. Uh, it, like, that's outrageous. And that's not even a record in the area. So it's just oh. like another fucking day, you know? Wild. Um, lake Michigan also creates something that I'd never heard of called pneumonia fronts. Yikes. Nope, don't and know what that is. I don't want to know. A rare phenomenon where temperatures near the lake suddenly drop dramatically in under an hour. So I think when I researched it, it said the temperature can drop more than 16 degrees in one hour. Oh, my God. Like, think about that. It's like it's 50 degrees out. And then like a few minutes later, it's massively dropping so pneumonia fronts are a phenomenon that happen here and it reminded me of a phenomenon we learned when we were in salt lake city mm -hmm. or were supposed to be in salt lake city called a bomb cyclone and everyone in the area was like oh yeah another bomb cyclone and we were like i'm sorry never, what are never you heard saying that word in my life the i was like are you the saying? fact that those are two bad words and then they're put together and everyone was like whatever and i was like everyone's we have like, to be on a plane you making that face and i was like oh <laughs> Okay, I'm the idiot, I guess. Imagine if uh, I just called it like a fucking, I don't know, grenade hurricane and everyone's like, <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever. There's a scythe. Earthquake. <laughs> what happened? I was trying to come up with another weather phenomenon with the word scythe. And scythe? I couldn't think of it. Psych uh, scythe. Scythe tsunami. A scythe tsunami. That's it. That's the one. Um, so, oh, wait. Interestingly enough, my next bullet is about ice tsunamis. So <laughs> you're pretty wow. fucking close. Wow. Look at me go. Uh, they have. Okay. So this area literally has something called <sighs> pneumonia fronts. 
ice tsunamis. I mean, it like it's just why? Like, no, I don't like any of it. So these pneumonia fronts come in. They also experience ice tsunamis, which are also called ice shoves. And what happens is that extreme winds push enormous sheets of ice and boulders inward onto land that can destroy houses. Nope. Like they just like bring a fucking bowling ball of snow in and just pummel <laughs> your house down. Okay. This is like normal life up there. Are you guys okay up there? I feel like this is just all so bad. It sounds, <sighs> I don't imagine. Okay. So I know when I lived in Virginia, which does not compare to any of this shit. Um, we had like, random snow days and like now in california a lot of kids get fire days which i was mm. new to me because i didn't know totally. about that shit until i got here and uh now i'm wondering like how many different types of days do the kids have over yeah there? and they probably don't get any fucking snow days they're like oh come on unless yeah, like, there's a pneumonia front coming they're through. the only kids who i think like can say that they actually like walked uphill both ways in an avalanche Literally. or something and i have to believe them and they had to wear snowshoes because how the fuck else would you get uphill both ways? That's how they're also good at the cross country skiing. I'm understanding now. It's okay. just actually self-preservation. It's survival, not fun. And I'm sorry I hate it on everyone who cross country skis. <laughs> I think, I, you know what? I do, as I get older, as I age and my bunions get worse, I do appreciate <laughs> the like aesthetic or the experience of an outdoor nature walk in the evening like i love i get it now when i was little i was like no don't ever make me leave the house but i can understand the enjoyment of like walking outside but, i'm not there yet but i can't yeah, wait you know i can't I wait for the day it's more of a theoretical thing right like will i go do it probably not you if know I'm what forced i'm so far i'm cool with a well hang on let me be specific i'm cool with a sitting on the front porch with a cup of tea watching That's nice watching something for maximum 20 minutes to a half an hour yeah but it, but i wanted to be specific because sitting outside implies that i'm cool with picnics and i fucking hate a picnic no 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 no. i We're don't not, want no, that no. don't even no, no, try no. to let's go leave our comfy couch and sit in dirt no thank you um but <laughs> We can eat <laughs> snacks right here. Okay. It's like the fridge and air conditioning is here. Why on earth would I go into a hot space where I have to change clothes to do With it and then ants? sit on the grass? Yes. And what if it's wet outside and now I've been now I'm in a mud puddle? No, literally you sit down, then you're like, shit, I have to pee. Well, sucks for you. Sucks for you. Now you have to wait because God forbid you get into your car, you have to load everything back, you have to drive all the way home, you have to find the back. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. But I like sitting on a porch during a rainstorm. That's as far as we've gotten. Oh, that's as far as we've gotten. Maybe I love a bonfire. A screen... Love a bonfire. Think about a screened in porch on a s summer storm night. Oh, yeah. That, oh. that, that, but, that's that's but me. to go outside just to move my body. I uh, like just a no. <laughs> just yes. No, I get it. As as someone who's been trying to really um, work on ways to like habits to like better my experience of the world i've been trying to go on a little more walks like even with geo just like around the block and i'm like i can see how that is refreshing and whatever even if you don't want to do it but not when it's fucking two degrees out or negative mm -mm. 40 for that matter um so in any case uh this is a very unique and fascinating place to live and i mean if you live there and you love it like fucking more power to you okay i'm not hating on you at all like i'm so impressed when people like i can't even think of living in california anymore because i have just such a fear of earthquakes 
but like it's a great place to live i'm not shitting on the area in general i'm just saying not for me (laughs) um so in any case uh it's wild to live there it's like very unique very um intense obviously very extreme weather conditions sometimes um so you know he decides he's gonna go do this uh cross-country skiing on the great lakes on lake michigan now there are actually indigenous peoples who lived in the area the anishinaabe and they have ice fished on the lakes for a very long time um and that's you know they were clearly able to make um make the area work for them and you know ice fishing i always found really fascinating um and today approximately six hundred thousand people live along the lakes in the u.s and canada so they must love it okay i'm not listen they're eating it up over there not they're me, loving it and i'm happy for them okay that's all i'll say Stephen was basically just one more person in a very long line to decide to venture out onto the ice in february of 1978 but Stephen didn't come home from his multi-day trek and his family of course understandably got worried and raised the alarm on february 20th he was reported missing Mm. and authorities pretty immediately launched an exhaustive search and rescue effort to track Stephen down especially obviously knowing february in that area can be extremely dangerous and every second counts to finding somebody and uh In one of the police reports, as they're trying to track him down, one friend interestingly said, oh, Stephen had a couple girlfriends in Europe. Maybe he went over to Europe and just forgot to tell anybody. Um, But that didn't end up being the case. But uh, Sersha put a funny note that's like, I guess it would be a fun way to be remembered that you had three European girlfriends. Right. Uh, (laughs) You know, at least that got in the news, right? (laughs) Like, At least it was like everyone kind of high-fived for a second there. They're like... (laughs) Oh, hell yeah, bud. (laughs) Um, So that didn't end up being the case. But anyway, searchers scoured the frozen lake on foot, by snowmobile, even by helicopter. And of course, their own safety was at risk. Uh, The ice was covered in snow, which means that hazards like thin ice cracks, holes, and deep crevasses were not able to be seen. So you wouldn't know if you were walking over a patch that could crack right underneath you. According to post-colonial ice records that started in the mid-19th century, Lake Michigan is actually, another fun fact, the only lake of the five Great Lakes that has not frozen over completely. Ever? Ever. At least since at least since the mid-19th century that we know of. Wow. Huh. So it has gotten close, but it's never hit 100% surface ice, which means there are places to fall into the freezing water which Mm -hmm. could be fatal obviously especially if you're by yourself so hope faded as time went on with no sign of steven and a few days went by and his family started to fear the worst and that is when the searchers discovered his skis and poles abandoned on the ice now his skis were set up in sort of like a cross motion like he had stuck them in the snow and hung his backpack on top of them okay and shortly after that they found his backpack nearby as well and it was a total mystery as to why he would abandon his equipment Um, but they did see a trail of footprints so there was a 200 yard trail of footprints in the snow which stopped suddenly as if he had just vanished into thin air 
there were no other prints so it was hard to consider foul play like that somebody kind of came up at him or was walking with him or like an animal chased him oh right yeah or an animal got to him exactly and so with no answers authorities decided that the most likely scenario was that Stephen had walked away from his gear to investigate something and then fallen into a crevasse and drowned beneath the ice like Mm. and it wouldn't be the first time it's a really dangerous area and again you're going so low you know um so they thought that must be what happened and with the way even though they couldn't see you know cracked ice uh ice can move on the lake especially over over days over time and perhaps there was an opening he fell into that had shifted and was not visible anymore so with that Kind of being the conclusion, Stephen was officially declared dead in a tragic accident at just 23 years old. They Mm. closed the case. um, Newspapers reported on it. All further searches were called off and his family began to grieve. It was a total shock to everyone who knew him. Uh, Hope College held a memorial service for Stephen's fellow students to mourn him and the school granted him an honorary diploma. His friends and family tried to grieve and move on, but they faced that same issue that we see a lot uh, with missing persons cases where there's just not that closure of being able to bury a body or being able to say goodbye one last time or, you know, or at least just know what happened. It's Mm -hmm. sort of like this big hanging question mark and they had to live with that. They couldn't figure out why did Stephen abandon his equipment and walk away? Like what would he have been looking at to take off his skis and wander in a different direction without his backpack. Um, I, my thought was like, maybe he saw a cute bunny rabbit. I don't know. Like, I feel well, like my thought was lo- like, what if maybe he like wanted to go pee or something and he just like, yeah, that's fair. Kind of dash. I off. guess, I guess you wouldn't have to like take off all your equipment though. Right. Like your backpack, that's true. especially I mean, if you're, may- you have a male body, you could exactly, I mean, exactly. whip it out on the skis. Like, I don't think you need to even like, remove anything but what if he needed yeah, to mean, go number s- two? Oh, okay that's a good point em i wouldn't want to really- do that on skis no i would but just for shits and gigs you know literally <laughs> <No>. for shits <laughs> literally just for the shits uh no 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 i i didn't think of that that's a great point so like maybe he had to go poop okay maybe he saw a cute bunny rabbit is what i still think and he was like come here bunny rabbit yeah. I don't know if you want to like eat it or something, but maybe I don't know. There's a lot of reasons he might have kind of just wandered away for a minute and maybe could have fallen in or who knows what. Um, the other thing was, how did he end up under the ice when searchers didn't find any openings near his tracks and the snow was undisturbed by major ice shifts? But again, you know, could be explained that maybe it just so happened to be covered up in a way they couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. And also Stephen, as his family claimed, had the skills and experience to avoid such accidents. Like he went on this trip solo, but not unprepared. He knew the dangers of it and he was pretty well versed in this kind of a solo trek. So people thought, was it foul play? Was it suicide? There were just so many questions that his family had to live with because the case was closed. But others began considering it a cold missing persons case because they just could not accept the drowning explanation. Uh, Some people thought maybe this was like a a cult thing. Maybe this Mm. was a foul play. Somebody he he met up with the wrong fellow snowshoer and got kidnapped. You know, who knows? But there was no way to really find answers. And they may have been left wondering forever 
except that on May 5th of 1979, which was 14 and a half months after Stephen's disappearance, a driver picked up a hitchhiker who asked for a ride to the nearest payphone. And Stephen's dad was at home in Massachusetts, about 700 miles from where his son had disappeared 15 months earlier, when he got a phone call from his son, Stephen. Oh. Who said, what? I'm alive. What? What the fuck? So what happened? Not only was he alive, he was right nearby in Massachusetts. Like, I think well, it was 20 miles from, 40, sorry, 40 miles from his dad's house. Did and he he's glitch like, in the matrix? What the fuck happened? Can you come pick me up? Yeah. He's like, can you come pick me up? So Stephen was legally dead, like without question. It had been 15 months. He went missing on the ice. Case closed. His family was trying to move on. And then all of a sudden he just pops right back up, not only in their lives, but 40 miles away, like in ta- like nearby in Massachusetts. And this is what happened. His father was like, where the hell have you been? Yeah, what the fuck, dude? Like, <laughs> dude, you really scared the shit out of us. It's like okay? the whole town grieved. Like, what wow. is going on? This was national news. So he asked his son, what have you been doing for over a year while everyone mourned you and had services and tried to move on? And Stephen said, I have no idea <gasps> he did glitch in the matrix didn't he he had so according to steven he could not remember anything from his absence he had woken up in a field in pittsfield massachusetts and this was 720 miles from where he had been skiing what he had been skiing in Ma- michigan and he woke up 720 miles 15 months later in a field in Pittston, Massachusetts, 720 miles away. And do we know when he woke up, did he know how much time had passed or did he think like a day went by? He did not. He thought it was only a matter of hours or days. He had to find a newspaper to tell him the year. This guy fully was abducted by aliens. Is this not so nuts? I mean, he was standing, everything looked fine, standing in the middle of a field, your footsteps all of a sudden go missing in the snow, and then you show up in a random field. Is that not aliens? Right, 15 months later. And the other weird thing was that he showed up in a 720 miles away from where he went missing, but really close by to his aunt's house, ah. which is also odd. It's like, maybe did he know he remembered something about an address yeah. yeah yeah like did he recognize the area but also you know he woke up in a meadow which is so random like he didn't wake up on a bus you know on a bus bench or like yeah. in a, in a motel room like he woke up in the middle of a field which is so weird um but there's a little bit more to this which they're clues but honestly in my opinion they just add more questions than they answer but in any case uh what he told his family was that his Memory ended on Lake Michigan 15 months ago and then began again when he woke up in a meadow in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, about 40 miles from his dad's house. He was wearing clothes he'd never seen before. Oh, what? Yeah. Yeah. And he had a backpack that he did not recognize. It's almost like the the aliens black eyed kids to him and like they were like, I don't know, you had something that looked like this. Let's just put it back on you. And it was just like pulled from a wardrobe of other abductees. Yeah. And it was this one was like Paw Patrol. And he's like, wait, my backpack, (laughs) my backpack was SpongeBob, you assholes. Where's this Paw Patrol backpack come from? 
So yeah, he w- wakes up with this backpack he's never seen before. And inside the backpack is a random series of maps that he did not remember owning, mm. as well as some hitchhiking signs, essentially like where he would write the names of different towns. Presumably, he said, presumably it was, I was hitchhiking. Like, you know, it said like uh, Salt Lake City, like, and you would stand along the side of the road in the 70s and get, get a ride. So the maps... um included Sacramento, San Francisco, Reno, Nevada, Chicago, and the state of Utah. What? And, and it, so if he it was basically hit- insinuated he- that's where he had been traveling. And if he was hitchhiking to those locations, someone knew who he was if they were mm-hmm. giving him rides. Or somebody Yeah, like you mean somebody had met him, like somebody right. would have somebody- had In a year and a half, him. he had to have talked to somebody or at least made some acquaintances. Yeah, you'd think so. So very, very odd. Uh, In addition to these maps, he also had $40 in cash, new glasses, which I'd like to know if those glasses were the same prescription as his old ones, because I'm curious about that, Uh, sneakers, and a t-shirt from a marathon in Wisconsin. First of all, there's nothing I would try to forget harder than running a marathon, but like, (laughs) I can't. If I had a shirt from a marathon, you know that's the first thing I'd be telling everyone about. There's no forgetting that. I yeah, wonder yeah. if I wonder if um I don't know. My my very, very first thought in the beginning of all this was like, could he just be like faking it to like get out of like getting in trouble for being gone yeah, for that I mean, long? That's definitely a major theory. But also like, I mean, there were no security cameras back then, no like yeah. CCTV to like track him. Because otherwise it'd be like where where did the skis go? Do we know where the skis went? So they he didn't have any skis on him. So those were just the ones that they had found. Remember, after he disappeared, oh, right. they found his skis and backpack. So oh, they right, had right, right. those in their possession, the police. Um, or maybe they had given it to the family by then. But on your note of like no security cameras and it's hard to follow up on things. People actually went to, I think the, the, his mother, I believe, hired a private investigator to look into this. And the private investigator went and asked for, went to that marathons. Yeah. And uh, asked for the roster or something. Planning group and asked for the roster. And so I was listening to a podcast called uh, Red Web, which I'd never heard of. And basically their name is like the Red String Like oh, uh, nice. they cover like online, like conspiracies and fun things like that. It was actually a very fun show i can't believe i've never heard of it but they covered this case and they brought up some really interesting questions like you know going to the marathon asking for the name but then they also made a point of like if he was in some sort of fugue state like maybe he signed up with a different name Mm -hmm. and then one of the other hosts was like well then maybe they should go through and find whose name doesn't match any real person you know maybe Mm. that's the person that signed up as him but also then another host made a good point of well, it was the 70s. You probably could just walk up and be like, I want to be in this marathon. And right, like, right. You know, who knows? Like, it's like, I don't think things were as strictly monitored in the 70s as they are nowadays. Um, like, you could probably just join a marathon and get a T-shirt back then. And also without... probably back in the 70s, I don't know if they were really keeping rosters after the day of. Wouldn't they just throw that thing away? <laughs> be like, nope. Yeah. Well, and they did have the roster and they did give it to them. But, like, his name was not on there. Like, his his legal did they show name. his pick? I would. I mean, I don't know how in-depth this investigator was allowed to be, but I wonder if 
they how many people were on the roster and could he show each of them a picture of the guy and like oh does he look familiar that's a to great you? question there's so many things where i'm like man i wish somebody would have asked this or that or the other and i don't know if they did ask but i don't have the answers because mm-hmm. that that's a great idea like to to ask the people who participated like hey do you recognize this guy or the people who doing who are doing signups you know and and also his um to do a marathon it's not like he was kidnapped and then taken hostage like it sounds like he really was just living life like it's yeah a marathon's not something that you're usually forced to do in a show like i don't know 48 hours i've never watched that show but like one of these like crime shows like uh, running a marathon seems like torture but in a different way yes. than being abducted you know um, it does see- it does seem like he was just kind of just had still had free will and just no awareness but he clearly had enough awareness it reminds me kind of like did he f- like Maybe he previously fell somewhere on the mountain and no one paid attention like him hitting his head on a rock. And then maybe he had that situation where that one guy walked around before he died and like he was like doing <gasps> dishes and shit like with a yeah. major head injury and nobody noticed. Yeah. Like, but like it sounds okay. like he, you know what I mean? Well, one, that's interesting you say that because one of actually Stephen's own theories has been perhaps he fell through the ice and his body went into a state of shock and like elicited some sort of fugue state. And like he went into such shock that he wandered off. I mean, and perhaps another thing the red web podcast mentioned too, is like maybe, you know, with hypothermia where you kind of enter this state of being so hot that you strip your clothes off. Like perhaps he was taking his clothes off. He needed clothes. He found this t-shirt, this marathon t-shirt at like right. a thrift store. You know, it's it's so unclear like how he ended up with it. Um, but there is another little caveat to that, interestingly, because you said like, oh, well, you don't usually just run a marathon, you know, mm-hmm. like out of the blue. And that's exactly the point. So here uh, he did, a, I think, like one interview ever on this one. Wow. And it was the week he was found. And. This is the rare interview uh, I found. So I went on newspapers.com and and searched for this. And this is from 1979. It's the Waterville, Maine Morning Sentinel. And uh, the the article says, I have some really vague feelings, Stephen Kubaki, 24, said in a telephone interview Sunday from his father's home here. I have some running shoes. I feel like I've done a lot of running. (gasps) I also have a marathon t-shirt from Wisconsin. I don't know how I got it. So he feels like he's been doing a lot of running, which seems like, what does that mean? But also... Yeah, what a weird thing to say, but I guess maybe you can, like, your body feels sore. Sersha like- was like, maybe sore calves? So I was like, but my thought actually was like, maybe he has, like, some subconscious memories. Like, oh, I remember, r- like, running shoes. I remember running a lot. Or my you know, thought maybe- would even be like, as the person used to run five miles a day, like, you... um when you do you get into have running the stamina when you do get into running like you very like it becomes muscle memory very quickly so maybe he tried yeah. running recently and then he was like oh i'm like much better at this than i remember and it yeah, was yeah 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 that's what and then the red web folks were like they should do a test like like time him you know see yeah. if his strength <laughs> has improved like i don't know and they said he did lose three pounds uh in the time he was gone maybe from running huh. i don't know uh uh-huh. but his memory he says i just have vague feelings which is kind of creepy hmm. i have vague feelings that i've done a lot of running 
which is like, ooh, it's kind of creepy. That's so weird that like you can he can almost tap into his subconscious. Right. I yeah. wanted I want him to do a hypnosis, like a regression. Yeah. Um, he said the last thing he remembered was feeling cold and scared of being lost. Oh. And that's the last thing he remembers before waking up in the grass. And so maybe he maybe that's what he um also took all of his equipment off for maybe he just needed to like stand somewhere and try to figure out where north was or something yes yeah and somebody uh, they also said that you know maybe he wandered off to get his bearings like he was lost he was afraid of getting lost wandered off to get his bearings maybe could he see chicago from where he was standing like could he orient himself and maybe he fell maybe he hit his head maybe he fell into the water um and his body went through shock and this he sounds somehow this sounds survived. really stupid but like what was that other case we covered where like all of a sudden a fucking owl was involved so like is there a staircase like could a vulture or something have grabbed okay. him this is so weird that red web literally brought up the staircase and i went that's random and then you just brought it up with the I owl mean, if, if like a big ass bird just saw like one tiny little thing moving around by itself and without any defense like could have picked him up as food and then dropped him and gave him a fucking head injury like you know i don't know if it would have been able to pick him up i feel like it could have at least gotten him to the top of a tree and then he fell or something like could have grabbed him for a second and then what let go is of it him. like a thunderbird i don't think birds can pick people up i don't know birds are kind of freakishly strong Babies, i don't know they can pick up i think but I don't know. I have no idea. But I, my my first thought was like, if his if it's not an alien abduction, which I'm not totally voting that out. Like, <laughs> but like, if his if he's walking and then all of a sudden his feet just vanish, it's not even like there's signs oh, of see. him falling or there's signs of him running in another way or signs of someone behind him or an animal. His feet just go away. Like that's the air, my friend. That's where you go. Like either a mm. UFO beamed you up or a bird picked you up. You couldn't go anywhere else unless you are Superman and you fly away. Well, the thought was that he fell like into, you know, the ice cracked underneath him. I feel like I'd like to see the actual footprints because what I I'm know. envisioning is perfectly clear shoe prints. And like, which, yeah, in I which think case it's it a doesn't... little more blurred than that. I don't think it's necessarily hmm. like a very, but I don't know because I don't have photos of it and I'm not really clear on how the footprints like he how could, abruptly they stopped. I mean, like you say, it could have been a crevice and like he fell, but maybe caught himself, but had his, hit his head on the way down. So he was able to physically yeah. get himself down, but he it, it, the damage had already been done to his brain. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. And it's, like either, you, it's either a head injury, like guaranteed in my head, it's either a head injury, aliens, or a big ass bird. It's one of those three. <laughs> There's no other option. I think you're the first person to bring big ass bird into it, but I love it. Um, <laughs> so he said the last thing he remembered was being feeling cold and being scared of getting lost in the frozen darkness. And then the article goes on. I was lying on the grass in a meadow when I woke up, Kubaki said. I didn't know where I was. I was wearing clothes that weren't mine. I started going through a pack, which I assumed was mine, and I found maps. I would guess I was hitchhiking. I didn't know what the date was until I walked into town and got a newspaper. So totally, like, just erased his memory. Um, a newspaper published a heartwarming photo of Stephen beaming as he embraced his father with a tagline reading, Reunited. 
Obviously, the entire county or country wanted answers. You know, had Stephen escaped kidnappers, a cult? Was he a fugitive? Was it a, a hoax? Like, what was going on? Was it aliens? A- ancient M and ancient alien theorists say yes, it was. <laughs> uh, Stephen unfortunately had no answers. He insisted again and again he did not remember a single thing from the previous 15 months. So reporters seem to think if they just had a little time with Stephen, they could get a little more insight, crack him a little bit. People suggested he go see a psychologist, but he said there was no point. He was totally sound of mind. Sure, he was missing 15 months of his life, but he's fine. He's thinking clearly. He was not interested in seeing a psychiatric professional, so he did not. He also said, you know what? I have no more information than you do about where I was. So sorry, there's nothing to crack. And he shut down any further interviews or conversations. So that kind of does take away... It's frustrating, but it does take away the like skeptical side of he's doing this for attention or something mm-hmm. to like because clearly he was not participating in any of the interviews. Right. So Kubaki uh, told a reporter that he believed uh, his blackout was caused by exhaustion and exposure and that he would see a doctor for that, but he would not see any psychiatric seek any psychiatric health. Um, and in one quote. He said, my father was going to sign over the house to me. I had three courses at school and no trouble. I left a romance in Germany. There was no trouble with girls. I had a job lined up with the Holland Sentinel newspaper. That was kind of his explanation of like, I didn't run away on purpose, you know? Right, like I had things going for me. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Imagine the girlfriend finding out that he's still alive after 15 months and is yeah, like probably already moved on. Fuck? Yeah, what the... But apparently he had three of them, so I'm sure... He's fine. (laughs) He's fine. Um, So Kubaki ended up not taking that job, but he actually had been awarded a bachelor's degree in absentia uh, from Hope College because he had vanished and they had given him, like, an honorary degree. Oh. Thinking he was dead. (laughs) It's like in memoriam Uh, degree. Yeah, yeah. And so apparently... This is pretty wild, but it's kind of just a side note, fun fact. Apparently, even the detectives who investigated his, investigated his disappearance had doubts that he had actually drowned from the start. Mm. And so they actually sent his dental records to Chicago to see if Kubaki might be among one of John Wayne Gacy's unidentified victims. <gasps> Holy shit. And, like, obviously he was not, but apparently the way that this scene had been like left was so unusual as you kind of mentioned with the footprints that they thought maybe he ended up as like the unwitting victim of John Wayne Gacy. You know, that's mm-hmm. how confusing, confusing this all was. So as you can probably guess, he became extremely overwhelmed by the attention. Stephen declined all further interviews. And after a few days of national coverage, the press sort of gave up and Stephen's story lost momentum and people simply moved on. Uh, Like I said, he'd been given that honorary diploma when he was missing, and apparently the dean's first inclination was to let him keep his diploma, but then they took it back and said, no, you didn't earn it. (laughs) That's so (laughs) fucked up. It's like, you haven't been through enough, so. They said, you have to, it's up to you. They said, you don't have to do anything, but it's up to you if you want to finish your degree. (laughs) Oh my God, that's so mean. To be fair, he only had a couple courses left. Um, He had enough credits to graduate in 1979 with a bachelor's degree in German studies. And that was the only one he had enough credits to because he had switched so much. Mm -hmm. So he just 
went with it. And a few years later, he earned an MA in linguistics at Ohio University. Then he attended a PhD clinical psychology program in New Mexico, where he studied philosophy and psychoanalysis as a Fulbright fellow in Germany. Wow. And then, yeah, became a doctor, like a psychiatric doctor, a psychiatrist, and eventually a professor and a psychology department chair. So like, and he apparently has said, yes, I recognize the irony in this, that mm-hmm. I refused to go see a psychiatrist in the <laughs> 70s. And now here I am. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. And, you know, Stephen has led quite an impressive career academically in varied disciplines, but he continues to be most famous, not for his accomplishments, but for his crazy disappearance. Mm-hmm. Although his story has faded away um, and, you know, it happened in a time before Internet forums, it has since popped up in unexpected places. And this I would like you to imagine being in class and this happening to you. He's in grad school. He's in a psych class and he opens up an abnormal psychology textbook and on a chapter on amnesia and sees himself Mm -hmm. in the textbook. So, like, it's got to be really trippy. Yeah. Stephen, who's now, of course, an expert in the subject, said it is not ethical or professional to diagnose somebody at a distance. So I agree. Like they shouldn't have said he had amnesia. This is what he had. And we put it in the book like he was not diagnosed. He never went to a right professional. So I do find I I agree with him. That's not really quite okay. Um, But then, of course, the Internet came around and the story started popping up on conspiracy forums People suggested Stephen was a victim of something I wonder if you've heard about called the Michigan Triangle. No. No? Okay, so it's basically the Great Lakes version of the Bermuda Triangle, and I wrote, M, please cover this. Got it. Because just on the basics of what I heard, like, overview, like, missing ships, uh, strange disappearances, airplanes vanishing. I mean, very Bermuda Triangle, but, like, in the Great Lakes area. So okay, cool. Definitely. I would I'll love to that. hear about that because you've done the Bridgewater Triangle. Yes. Um, interestingly, oh, you know, we should check if the mm. place he woke up was in the Bridgewater Triangle. Because it was in Massachusetts. Interesting. Maybe a little puckwudgie picked him up and carried him away. Aww. You know how they like, maybe they all carried him like a whole. Yeah. They just one little, like uh, Gulliver's one, Travels. One finger at a time. They all they all got him. <laughs> Puckwudgie Crossing, um, Bridgewater Triangle, and what's the town Pittsfield, Massachusetts? Oh no, I don't think it's in there. Well, I tried. If you guys know, let me know. Okay. Yeah. Oh wait, maybe it is. Listen, if I just cracked something open, you just let me know, everybody. Wide okay. open, everybody. Wide open. Uh, wow. If, wow. Yeah, okay. I think maybe, I'm going to say maybe yes. I'm going to say yes with absolutely Ancient alien no theorists and M say yes. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of ancient aliens, um, he was featured in an episode of Ancient Aliens that I watched last night. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, uh, they barely mentioned him. I watched the entire hour-long program and was like, am I mistaken? And then, like, after one commercial break, they were like, also, this guy disappeared one time. And it was, like, mm. 30 seconds, and that was the extent of the mention. And um, he he wasn't in it. It was just, like, his story. 
like i watched it to think like oh maybe he talks as a talking head in this program right but, no. but someone just talked just narrated it about him yeah got it um so i did learn a lot about black holes that exist on earth Ooh. allegedly so uh you know got it, it i'm on it i'm on it worth the watch okay so others began leaning more toward natural explanations um mm-hmm. you know because everyone else is saying alien abductions, portals to other dimensions, black holes is the ancient alien theory, accidental time travel. But some people said, you know, maybe this is a true crime story. People have considered cults, mafia ties. I mean, clearly the police were considering John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. Um, some some thought maybe PTSD induced amnesia from a traumatic event like an attack or a kidnapping. But. Either way, meanwhile, Stephen continues to thrive in his career as a clinical psychologist, and he is one of the most notorious missing persons cases in history, who's not, and he's not even missing. Like, that's yeah. the craziest part. He's back. <laughs> I'm and back, it's so frustrating because he's back, but he, we, we still don't know what happened, which is like, oh, man. I don't know. I feel like part of me feels like maybe there is something true crime or, again, aliens, because... For him to be so, for him to have feelers like, oh, I think I was running. I think I've been blah, blah, blah. And for him to be like, I don't want to know the rest of what happened. Yeah, it's like he shut it down. It's like he knows. I don't know if this is true, but it feels like if he could kind of have little moments like that where he has his feelers like on. Like an inkling. It sounds like he knows something really traumatic happened that he and he does not want to face go. it yes that's a really good point he's like i have these vague recollections but like i don't want to go to see a psychiatrist I mean, he, I don't he's literally like the department chair and a doctor of psychology like he knows how incredibly useful that science can be and he still wants nothing to do with it his whole yeah. fucking the industry the field he's in he does not want to partake in it well just wait what there have been recent updates <sighs> i know and these updates have occurred since most of the sources that you know i've watched and and read about so so this is pretty new all right so in any case he's a clinical psychologist he's become this notorious missing persons case um for a long time he said he ignored all of the internet era media about him but he started working with an author named dylan quarles who hosts the missing enigma missing persons investigations and when they linked up uh steven was floored by the interest in his case he told dylan in an interview i was actually amazed how much was out there i couldn't believe it was out there according to steven's website the hashtag steven kubaki has been viewed more than 2.3 million times on tiktok and more than 6.5 million viewers have watched the many youtube videos featuring steven's story so for decades steven maintained that he had no memory of what happened in those 15 months and the world was left to speculate but recently, oh my God. Stephen has announced that he plans to release a book about his disappearance. In hmm. fact, he says he has recovered his memory from that time. Oh. He says his story involves the following. Oh, my God. Is it all of them? Is it Big Ass Bird? <laughs> Is it Big Ass Bird? Aliens? His head? everything what if it's just the following one big ass bird yeah well then i'd the say end. yeah we knew dude we knew <laughs> he said the story involves hallucinogenic drugs okay. a revolutionary organization a terrorist in training spiritual experiences alternate realities and the french foreign legion 
Hmm. And now I have a quote from Sersha where I I guffawed. I laughed out loud because Sersha wrote in its own bullet, what that could possibly mean is anyone's guess. Yeah, right. And then I put, quote, Sersha. <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking okay. about? So I actually have had another theory that I would, I mean, it's just like such a, like a, like a flippant. I didn't even say it because I thought that it would have been canceled out. But my f- other thought besides like bird or aliens on how his feet just left. My thought is like, what if like an, a helicopter picked him up? And I know that's stupid, but they would have had like evidence of like if a helicopter was in the area or people would have been able to say like oh i dropped down a ladder for him but like my but if we're talking like terrorist in training maybe it was like a spy mission and he mission impossible up <gasps> or oh. or terrorist in training maybe someone did fly up around and like he got like pushed into the crevice and then they flew away i don't know but my thought i did think helicopter for a second but i feel like that could have easily been you know figured out but you know i'm I'm thinking helicopter but wouldn't the helicopter blow the snow over his footprints away not if the helicopter was really up there and someone on a one of those fallout ladders climbed down i think even with a fallout ladder you think isn't there still quite a bit of I mean, maybe not. I mean, you know me and all my helicopter experience. I That's true. I should not. I should be bowing down to your knowledge. I don't know why I'm <laughs> second guessing you at all. Um, um, yeah. Okay, so hold on. Can you run through that again? There was. Absol- oh, I would love nothing more. Okay. And I will say drugs sounds obvious. That feels, Check. That feels clear to me. Okay. Check. I think we all kind of thought in the back of our mind that was a possibility. Sure. Hallucinogenic drugs, a revolutionary organization. A terrorist in training, spiritual experiences, alternate realities, and the French Foreign Legion. So spiritual, spiritual realities, spiritual, uh, spiritual experiences, and alternate, alternate realities. realities. Both of those also feel like they could just be drugs. Uh, exactly. I was going to say a lot of that sounds like it could be lumped in with hallucinogens. Like it sounds like he was just. I mean, it was also the seventies. He could have just been on acid, you know, like and had thought he went to an alternate realm and had. Uh, even today, a bunch of people, parentheses, men, uh, take acid and they're like, my life has changed. But really, I, they I just know like, the meaning of life. Yeah, but really, yeah. they just like experience empathy for the first time. Well, like, and, and I feel like if you take by accident, if you take. Um, not ketamine. What is the. Shrooms? Uh, no, it's ketamine. the one that people occasionally take too much of uh, and then like have like a psychotic break. Ecstasy? No. It's the one that starts with a D. I don't know. Okay. Man, well, I took so much duh. Man, I was so fucked up on duh. Duh. Ah, <laughs> oh, I need more of that duh. Eva, do you know? <laughs> duh. I need more of that D. <laughs> dr, dr. I need more of my... I literally Whatever. can't think of a, dr- a drug. I can't think of anything that starts with D. Okay. Sorry, guys. It, Jack, you can delete all the... Blah, blah, blah. You don't want that? <laughs> I mean, I uh, do. I just don't know if anyone else wants it. I really can't think of anything. DMT. Sorry. Oh. DMT. So I've heard stories where people who have either been tricked into taking too much DMT or have been uh, like accidentally dosed incorrectly um or who've taken just too much dmt um have had like 
breaks from reality that can last a very long time, mm. like very okay. long time, like months. So, you know, perhaps he was on a drug and it, and that would explain why he came back and he said, I don't want to talk about it. Cause like probably doesn't want to talk about being on drugs in the woods and the the drugs make sense for the memory, but the feet thing, I I do think it's a big ass bird or an alien. It, I I can't. I'm stuck on the. I'm stuck on. The, or maybe it was a combo of drugs. He fell, hit his head, and the drugs and the hitting his head at the same time really rattled something in there, and he couldn't remember for a long time. Ah, uh, yeah, it could be that too. I'm looking up. Um, yeah, that's why people say like portals and all this. But I mean, I just I'm looking for any information on the footsteps and i just can't get a better understanding of that's the if i were an investigator that would be the thing that keeps me up at night is the zams those damn footsteps the footprints in the snow are like really confusing the memory part can so easily be explained for me either as a head injury or drugs that part i'm like not even worried about it's like how the fuck did he get from the middle of the snowy field to nowhere no 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 no. it was so that's the thing is he was walking toward the edge of the lake Oh, right. And then he would have fallen in. Right, right, right. So the weird part, it says, the weird part is, this is from ultimateunexplained.com. The weird part is the 200-yard set of footprints in the snow that led to the edge of the lake. The prints abruptly stop at the lake edge, which led authorities to the conclusion that Stephen had fallen in the lake, got caught under the ice, and drowned. Like, perhaps he had mm-hmm. stepped onto the lake and it had cracked, you know? Right, right. Um, so that's, that I feel like could make some sense. Um. Yeah, but still, I don't know. I don't know. But as Sersha said, what that could possibly mean is anyone's guess. I guess we'll um, find out when the book comes out. But then also that makes me think, like, did he ever actually come up with the ant- I'm not trying to be one of those people, I swear to God. But I just, the, the thought does linger for a second where I'm like, now that he knows that people are still talking about it, is there like, is this a money situation, you know? I mean, you'd think maybe, but let me finish the bullet points because it gives a little more information. Okay. Um. So this revelation has led some to speculate that Stephen never lost his memory at all. And this was all just fraud. Like he just was, you know, perpetrating fraud. But of course, others still hold on to theories about cults and domestic terrorism, especially with like the byline he gave. Um, And the hints sound like there was definitely more crime involved than aliens or time travel. But unfortunately, we do not have a release date for the story because... Even though the book is finished, it has yet to be picked up by an agent. So, oh, really? We we don't know when it'll be published, if it'll ever be published. Um, but the name of the book is "The Disappearance." Quote: What really happened to one of history's last unexplained mysteries? Hmm. So uh, that's that story, and you know. I watched a few. He finally did an interview. I think they said like his first interview in 45 years. Um, but he, the YouTuber said he, they had a very strict rule that he could not uh, discuss. He would not discuss what happened, like the disappearance and stuff. So the, the interviewer had to be very like tiptoeing around anything what do you even interview him about then like isn't that, what the, isn't that what the interview would be about i don't know i didn't watch the whole thing because it was right before we recorded when i found it hmm. um and it said here see it was on the missing enigma is the youtube channel but um it gives more insight into him as a person and like his experiences in life in general um and the interview is with him and the author 
that is helping him write this book. So, gotcha. you know, if you're interested, you can go check that out. But uh, I just don't know. I just don't know. It's just very weird. You know, I think this is one of the first times that we've had, not one of the first times, but it's one of the only times, and that's why I drink history, where both of our stories were pretty lighthearted. I was actually thinking that. I was like, when you started yours, and I was like, wow, this is kind of a weird, like, they kind of hold hands and fit together. What a fun little <laughs> kid-friendly, and that's why we drink episode, I guess, I know, as I talk about once. the Grim Reaper. Well, yeah. Who who knew that would be the light, most lighthearted of all our shows? I know. <laughs> Uh, wow, good story, Christine. You know I love a mystery, but you know I hate a mystery too. I know, same here. But I'm, I, I do like a mystery where they say, "Guess what? Answers might be coming soon." I so. do wish that his uh, byline to his book was like the French Legion, the terrorist organization, and a big ass bird. I feel like <laughs> I know M's never gonna let go of that theory. You could probably prove to M in every scientific way that it's impossible, and M would be like, "Yeah, I see your point." But I'm pretty sure there was a big ass bird there. I'd be like, his memory is still patchy. Like, I know there was a bird there. Yeah. It must be. Oh, well, thank you everybody for listening to another episode of And That's What We Drink. And if you'd like for some reason more of this, you can join Patreon and go check out our after hours where we keep talking, but it's somehow less structured than this. So, um, Go ahead and we'll do probably, that. Also, we'll probably we, discuss some alien stuff because I want to talk about this whole abduction. I'll probably Google whether a bird can pick up a person. So, you know, those questions and more will be answered. We also should have mentioned at the beginning of this episode that we are on tour or we're about to go on tour. So please go get tickets uh, if we're in your mm-hmm. area. We will mm-hmm. be very close to um, every location we mentioned today. Um, we'll be near a bunch of triangles and uh <laughs> and come see us oh, wait why don't we look we'll look that up in the after hours we'll look up the uh if the our triangle. live show is in a triangle oh <laughs> yeah if our live shows are in the triangle but also if that pits town pits whatever place is in that triangle okay and that's why we drink <laughs> <laughs>